Hi, welcome to the Gamers Issue Podcast. I'm Eddie. I'm Halo Reach. I mean Anthony. I'm Jeff. I'm Mitch. And I'm Nick. And uh, we are here after a couple of weeks off, and really the only thing to talk about in the last two weeks is Halo Reach. Um, I'm sure some of you guys are immediately going to stop the podcast <laughs> as soon as we mention that. But we lost half uh, our listeners. Yeah, everyone just everyone just left. Uh, for the last for the remaining six of you. <laughs> yeah, for everyone left. Um, really, the the topic of this podcast is mostly going to be about fall gaming because um, really Halo Reach is kind of what starts off. Um, you know, I remember a few years ago it was Halo Three that kind of started off the fall because I guess Bungie has a thing for September release dates or something, but. Um, this year, Halo Reach has kind of kicked off the fall of 2010, and it's the time of year that we all wait for, you know, uh, when all the games come out. Though this year, there's actually been a pretty good spread. Um, but but even so, I was actually surprised looking through a list of upcoming fall games, like just how much is actually coming that I didn't realize was coming. I think I said that on a podcast like yeah. two months ago, that you would be surprised. Yeah, That's I really so thought cool. it was like maybe Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, maybe you know Fallout New Vegas, but there's actually quite a few games. I was like, oh, I, I at least want to play. Yeah, I at least want to play. Yeah, when I went through and made that list where we could, so we could talk about them, I was like, oh my god, look how many games that I want to play. Yeah, I was surprised. So, but really, Halo Reach is the one that kind of started all off, and um, pretty much everybody in this podcast has been playing it. <laughs> so, um, and some of us nonstop. So we're going to kind of talk about that for a little bit. Instead of our normal What Are You Playing segment, we're going to kind of stick with Halo Reach, talk about some of the, the things that, that we've really enjoyed about it so far, um, and then kind of kick off from there um, to kind of spin off and riff about it from other games. But um, I gave the game an S, which, you know... Fanboy. Fanboy. <laughs> How much did Microsoft pay you, Eddie? <laughs> they paid me Candy Canes and Halo Reach. Oh. Yeah, a box of... That was a terrible joke. Anyway, the <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be better if it was candy corn because that would be more season appropriate. Yes. Or yes. Well, is it is that because I'm Hispanic? Is that no, no? But candy corn sucks. I love. Some candy people corn. love it. What about a hand job? Would that would Some, that do? Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to be PC on this podcast. I think Microsoft, Microsoft doesn't need that. I don't think they have money. I just had some weird mental visualizations of Connect and that, and I don't know. <laughs> How attractive do you find Major Nelson? <laughs> My brain is all in all kinds of weird places, but but no, I gave the game an S. It's going uh, off the rails. Already off the rails in the first few minutes. This is what happens when you drink and do a podcast. Um, but no, I, I gave the game an S. It's actually my favorite Halo campaign, um, and I really liked Halo CE. Um, but I, I remember because uh, I guess Eddie I'm, really loves hallways. I, I love hallways. I love backtracking, <laughs> repetitive uh, hallways. Mm-hmm. But no, um, the I took the day of launch off, um, and um, me and Nick played, and um, my brother played, and um, one of my good friends LJ he played, and I remember we were finishing the campaign, and I was like, okay, this is my favorite Halo campaign. Like I knew it, you know, right away. Um, that it, it had been my favorite Halo, and I kind of felt that, you know. I think I actually knew it like about halfway through. Really? Yeah, I think with I think the um, what is the the spaceship level? Long Night of Solace. Long Night yeah, of Solace. Long Night of Solace. That was when I that was when I was like, this is probably my favorite Halo campaign. When it was Halo Star Fox. Yeah. Yes, it, Star and not Fox. not not just that. Like, I mean, I, I feel like that. Uh, other than it just being an amazing level. And I love the the space combat. 
the all of the cinematics in the level are my favorite. Like when you yeah. fly up to space and then when you fall back down, those are two of my favorite cinematics. Well, the oh, impressive, yeah, no, that was a cool scene. The and then when George thing, jumps across to the other one, I love that too. Yeah. Well, the impressive thing about the going up into space cinematic in that level is that since all of since Bungie does all their stuff like in game, like all of that, I guess like all of that geography is like real. You know what I mean? Like they they had to build a world for the camera to move out of, so it's just this huge environment that they mm-hmm. built, and that you go out of it, and then you're in space because there's no loading in between. So it's yeah. all one big environment that's enormous that they built. Which is that to me? That's the most impressive part of that scene. It's like, wow, they took us in real time from this thing on the ground, like up into another level in space. You know, so thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was actually the level that where the game really clicked for me too. You know, I, I had been enjoying playing it. Um, I mean, I, I had only really played a very small amount of Halo Three, so I really don't have much to compare it to, but. Just right when you get into that spaceship and you get to fly around, for some reason, like everything I've played since then, I've wanted to keep playing it longer and longer. Like before, I was, I was you know, breaking it up, playing like half an hour, hour here and there, because I wanted to, to sort of understand what everybody was enjoying, but not, it hadn't really fully clicked for me until I got to experience that space level. I, I think it, it's something to do with like, I don't know. I think some of my favorite levels in games are games that kind of change things up like that and give you a completely different play style. You know, like I'm trying to think of, and this is like for the series, completely mm. different game style. Yeah, like, to I mean, have yeah to have for, flying in the fourth game of a series. Has Halo fifth? ever had a flying level no, like that? No, okay. no. So that's kind of a big deal then. Well, yeah, that's, that's, for, why could, that's why they couldn't hide it at E3. Like they had to be like. Hey, we're gonna have flight because that's like a really big deal. Well, we mm. talked about that one time when we were playing. Like, could could Bungie have sat on that? Because I think it's the best level in the game, and it's, so it's because I remember Nick, you were like, it's kind of disappointing that they showed off the best level of the game mm. months ago. Because I'm imagine how awesome it like just the shot. I think actually, I think that was Mitch, but yeah, was it Mitch? Okay, yeah, yeah, just that was me. You, you just wish it was Nick. <laughs> Just the just the shock that you would have had to go yeah. off to space. Like and when you yeah, when you actually went into space, you were like, you'd be like, oh wait, am I gonna? Uh, and then you take over. Well, no, that, that was that was LJ's reaction. Because right. LJ doesn't keep up with gaming news, and we played with him, and he goes, "Wait, what?" <laughs> See, and honestly, I didn't know that it was going to happen, but I, ha- I, you know, having no context from not having played the o- earlier games, I wouldn't have known how special that was. Yeah. It's, in- it's interesting, though, that it was still the level that I was like, yes, I understand why Eddie wants to give this an S, you know? Yeah. Like, well, that's, for fans of, <laughs> yeah, um, for fans of, like, the Halo Extended Universe, which this is a different topic we can maybe get into later, but... For fans of the Halo Extended Universe, like space flight was a big deal in the books, you know, like space combat and stuff. So I think that was kind of a little nod to, you know, what I mean, fans of their extended universe, probably because they were going to tear their hearts out at the end of the game. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> we apologize, fanboys. We're going to murder all of their, your favorite characters later. Yeah. So have a have a space level. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, your hearts, we will crush it. Yeah. I mean, can, can you think of any other games that have done that kind of crazy change-up? Like, off the top of my head, I just think of, like... Um, Gillies in the Mist. Yeah. Like, Gillies right in the, the Mist. the game, you have actually, this incredible sniper level. Call of Duty 4 does that a couple times. There's Gillies That's in true. the Mist and um, the... Um, oh, the AC-130 level. Is that the one where you're uh, piloting the... Yeah. What yeah. is it? AC-130. I, 
Yeah, I forget. I forget what it's called, but the jet, the airplane you're in is called an AC-130. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, I loved that level. That was so much fun, and it, it was it was an interesting, you know, because you have to decipher what's going on with little tiny dots and and figure out who, you know, and it was. I'm sure that's reasonably realistic. That's probably what it looks like for guys flying those those planes. That's probably the display they have to work from. So that was a really cool mechanic. I'm trying to think of other games that yeah, do I know, that. I, I love that, and I think that's why. It, um, that because of that, and because of Gillies in the Mist, and, the, and then the fact that the rest of the game was just so solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, Call, the Call of Duty Four campaigns probably—it's one of my favorite uh, campaigns. I don't know if I'm going to say. I don't know if I'm going to say this. It probably is my favorite of this gen. Wow! But I don't you know. know. What I would actually like. I never played Call of Duty Four multiplayer, but I would still give the it campaign. Yeah, yeah. On I would too. Oh. I would too because I, I loved it that much. It's and I even actually like I loved it enough that I played through on the really ridiculously hard play level and still made it through more than half of the game and enjoyed myself. Yeah. There you go. Well, um, I did that stupid airplane level at the end. Sorry. Oh the yeah. <laughs> oh, that oh yeah yeah yeah. That's supposed to be awful on like the hardest level, right? Oh that that took me two days of straight trying to get it. <laughs> That's a short level. That's crazy. It's yeah. it's it, it's hard enough on normal. It's insane. It's pretty hard on normal. Yeah. It is ridiculously hard on veteran. Did you beat wow. it? Wow. Oh yeah, I beat it. I 100% in Call of Duty 4 as oh, wow. achievements. Yeah. So that's something special. I, you I 100% everything, right? No, I don't 100% everything. <laughs> but, you're, but you are big in the 100%. Are you 100% in AC2, right? Which is and, I can't believe you did that. I cannot believe no, you. No, you know, you know who's 100% on our side is SK Beans. Ah. 100% okay. tons of stuff. It's incredible. Yeah. Like I, I always look at his like gamer score in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's interesting because the the Gillies in the Mist level happens about probably around the same amount of time that the Long Night of Solace happens in Halo Reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's exactly right in. when you need a change of pace. Yeah, like, and and yeah, it's the same thing in that game where I was like, I really enjoy this. This is a lot of fun. This is really intense. But it was the Gillies in the Mist level where I was like, this is like nothing I've ever played. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. You you talked about pacing. I feel like that's what makes the the Reach campaign stand out. I feel like by far the pacing is better than any other Halo campaign. Yeah. Well, and then yes. you also yeah. I mean, then you have the you have the helicopter level later on. They do a lot of stuff to vary up the gameplay. Uh, the the turret level. Where they don't just throw flood at you. That's not yeah. the switch. Yeah. Oh, and that's the, terrible. Like, <laughs> the space combat, like in addition to being right when you need it, is also like just fantastically satisfying. Like firing the missiles after you've taken down a set of shields. Oh, like every yeah. time, every time we do yeah. it, we're just like that oh. feels great. The only and, like, thing that I was kind of a pain in the ass was, was, was blowing up the engines. Like I kept flying into the damn ship. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you did that. That was terribly <laughs> easy, Jeff. Yeah, I wasn't. They're uh, easier to blow up than anything else. <laughs> well, they don't shoot back. They don't shoot back, and they just sit there. But so, I, they still, they still have defenses. A, I was drunk. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> do a barrel roll. You yeah, you just do a barrel roll at the engine, and then you're. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I hate all of you officially now. So no, but yeah, I'm with you. The 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 locking on target and then firing <laughs> your missiles is maybe the most satisfying thing in the game. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, and yeah. that, that's why I put in the in the feature I did the other day. Like, why? What happened to space games and like flight combat games? Yeah, I think we mentioned that last podcast a little bit. You know, like what, there used to be like all these great Rogue Squadron games, and then yeah. other people would make yeah. like Wing Commander and stuff like that. Star Fox. Did you hear Star that someone Fox. at Bioware is pushing for more Wing Commander games? 
I did hear that. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like a, a current gen wing, you think they'd still do the ridiculous? Like, surely they would not do the ridiculous. With Mark Hamill. With Mark Hamill and everybody. That that would just not look right in this gen anymore to have just like hello live action scenes. Command well, and Conquer Command- still does it. Yeah, it's just yeah, it, it, it looks conquer. stupid whenever they do it. So, Anthony, what would you say was the part in the game that I just kind of clicked for you? Um, wow, you know, um, I think, I think it was that that level too, but not necessarily when you get the space, but when the the beginning of the level when you're attacking the uh, to try to take the ships and the, the beach when you're yeah, storming the beach. The beach. Yeah, yeah, when you, when you storm the beach and everything, and like that music kicks in. Because uh, I did that for the first time with uh, Eddie and Nick, and um, and that was just that's just one of my most memorable moments of Reach. Still, I still like think about look look back on that night, and I was just like that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and that because that wasn't that uh, wasn't that near the end of the night that we played when that like the last thing we did. It might have yeah, been. I, I yeah, I think yeah we we stopped before Exodus. Yeah, um, so that's that one. Yeah. And so that was that was very very fun. Like that's when the, when the music kicked in. It was like this big thing where it like looked like a big giant battle, you know, between the the Covenant and the you know Earth forces. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a lot of fun. And there was this really funny moment at the very beginning where Nick ran forward and jumped into the air and threw a grenade and it hit a grunt in the face. And it still <laughs> and, makes me laugh to this day. And I think I killed like three grunts. Yeah, with that got, yeah. yeah then it blew up and killed like three or four of them. And yeah. then I just started laughing really hard. That's so. awesome. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of more games that have kind of that level variation in the middle of nowhere. It's interesting that the first two examples we have are both first person shooters. You know, are, are we talking about change of pace or level var- or like gameplay? Like variation? completely different gameplay variation and okay, in good. See, I, don't like, know, I don't agree that Gilly in the Mist is completely different because you're still shooting in the same. You know, well, but so it's 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 a different. You know, it's, it's more of a pace, of, it's, it's a pace change. more of a stealth game. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when 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 you yeah, I see what you mean about more of a stealth game. Because like when it, when I think of that, I think of something like uh, if anybody played Devil May Cry, the last level it basically becomes uh, a shooting game where you're flying through space and you're fighting the boss like, and it becomes like a like a Star Fox game. The the first one, right? Yeah, the first Devil May Cry. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I do remember that. The, yeah, you're right. It was it was yeah, pretty so different. You, you spent well, all the time you know, fighting as like with your swords and guns because and you just became the- so super powerful that it was like it was a different type of fight at that point. Oh yeah. yeah. It was like Dragon Ball Z now, you know. Well, I think I think the thing about Gillies in the Mist is that it's just such a. It, it's not necessarily that it's so completely different because it's different enough. I yeah. think it's yeah, just a no, virtuoso. It's, le- it's, it's just, just a virtuoso level. level. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's more the AC. What is it? AC thirty one. You said AC one thirty. AC one thirty. Yeah, that that level <clears throat> that is just completely different. Yeah. That is just that it takes you off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just want to I make mean, sure there's, I there's definitely there's definitely counterexamples like uh, I know Eddie, you enjoyed Brutal Legend, but yeah, I, I was about to I was about to bring up Brutal Legend because I know that it turned into an RTS, didn't it? Right. So I I liked the version of the game that is presented in the demo where you're running around, you know, beating guys up and playing your guitar and, and uh, all that. But like really soon after that, it turns into a completely different game that I didn't like. Well, do you think that's maybe part of it? Is that there was no time to establish here's what this game is and then give you the variation? Because Brutal yeah. Legend, it's like all of a sudden it's like, well, here's one kind of game. Okay, I'm just starting to get the hang of. Oh, here's another kind of game. Oh, mm-hmm. all right. Well, well is I this what it is now? And then they switch it up again on you. They, they switch it up on you a lot in that game. They kind of hit it too in the in the pre-release stuff. They kind of didn't mention yeah. that. And then the, even the demo, yeah, the demo doesn't give you any clue. 
Well, yeah, but even just like in interviews and stuff, and even afterwards, Tim Schafer still was kind of like, well, it's not really an RTS. And I know the Penny Arcade guys kind of got on his ass about that because they were like, no, it's an RTS. You yeah, know, you, like have, you have guys a... collecting resources. It's an RTS. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even, <laughs> even if the word resource is brought into the talk, it is an RTS. <laughs> even maybe that's the thing. Maybe that, maybe if it had been like half of the game had been that beat em up, beat em up thing, and then you got to the RTS version, but you only did the RTS for a little while and still got to go back to beat em up. Because that's what it sounds like both Halo and uh, Modern Warfare did, is they gave you... One play style for about half the game, and then right when you maybe your interest might have been flagging, they changed it up. But it's not like that that first gameplay style went away permanently. You know, yeah. it's well, like it even actually, even in COD Four, uh, it to a less four. <laughs> that's that's what it's called. What do it you just mean? sounds it just sounds like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it is a fish, but <laughs> even in Sturgeon Four. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in COD Four the. Uh, even less dramatically, I mean, from level to level, when you go from the, like the Marines to the SAS dudes, mm, yeah. even that is a little bit different back and forth. It's not as drastic as Gillies in the Mist, but right. it it is that like, oh, okay, now I'm doing this. Okay, now I'm now I'm sneaking in the winter, and now I'm you know just run and gun. Well, I so, think maybe what it is is that like. Reach and, and Modern Warfare both have like a primary identity that they, that they come back to. And when, when you're visiting these other levels, it's just like a change of pace. It's not like, okay, this game is now going to be entirely different for the rest of the time you play it. You know? Right, yeah. You're I think that's, the, you're I think that's the difference. The, it's like a Legend. treat. It's like a fun little right, treat. Right. Like, oh, hey, here's a fun little treat for you. I think Brutal Legend was having like an identity crisis. It didn't know what kind of game it wanted to be. You know? Yeah, and like I said, they were ashamed of it even after the fact because they're like, "No, no, it's not an RTS. Trust us." Mm-hmm. Like, no, it is because I've played them. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Actually, the game that has the best variation um, of like, oh, uh, not really of gameplay styles, a little bit, but like the best change of pace uh, is Resident Evil Four because every time I started to get a little bit tired of what I was doing, they changed it. Like, if you're escorting somebody, now that person's gone, and now you're sniping to protect them, or you know, you're that part now you're split up and you don't have to worry and you can just sort of run and gun or now you're just doing puzzles and everything like Resident Evil 4 was always changing things the entire time and it just kept me going throughout the entire game. And I've, I've still never played a game that has done that quite as well. See, I don't know. I, I felt like the, the escort levels were really annoying because she was so helpless. Like, although I did play it after playing five. So I was used to a companion that could defend herself. Oh, okay. But, but she know. didn't get in the way or anything. You know what I mean? She was good. Yeah. But you, but you had to like save her from things, you know, it, she wasn't like, she was just like girl running around screaming, just like, Oh shit, there's zombies. I mean, it was kind of cool. There, that one part where you control her for a level. Um, you remember that part in four where you're controlling the, the girl. And so she has no weapons and she's yeah. just, uh, I remember that part. Oh, that was, that was, that was pretty intense. It happened at like two in the morning and I wanted to go to bed, but you couldn't save with her. So I had to like do that stupid oh, sliding yeah. puzzle. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was interesting. You know, I, I played them kind of out of order. I played five first and then I got back to four. Um, I can four, see how that would mess it up. Four, yeah, four stood up pretty well. But I mean, I was definitely playing it like way after it was first introduced. So, Well, yeah, and that actually leads into the thing that I wanted to talk about is um, just the idea of playing playing games, you know, in their proper context, um, I guess, for when they come out. Because, yeah, like we were just saying, that that kind of affects um, kind of your 
you know, I mean, like your, your view of Resident Evil 4, that it might have been different if you had played 4 first instead of 5. Um, and I think, I think Halo is kind of one of those games that, that you just have to play, you know, I mean, like contextually, you know, and I feel like a lot of media is kind of like that. Like, I, that was, there was a discussion that I was, I can't remember if I was, where I was seeing this, but it was people talking about like Jaws versus Fifth Element or something. And really? Yeah, it was wow. something like Jaws versus Fifth Element, and someone was saying like, "Oh no, Jaws." It's a weird matchup. Yeah, it was what, kind of weird. It, it, was this like a flick chart thing? Or yeah, something? I think it might have been. It might have been a totally rad show's flick chart or something. But, okay. um, but, but if someone was like, "I can't believe they picked Jaws over Fifth Element," and someone was, and they were like, "Fifth Element's awesome," and it's like, "Whoa!" But you got to remember, like, what, what other kinds of movies were coming out when Jaws came <laughs> out? You know what I mean? Like, and what. And kind of what the climate was of the country and stuff like that, you know, like that that affects. Like you have to put on like someone was like you had to put on your nineteen seventies classes when you Jaws watched was Jaws. yeah Jaws was a game changer for yeah. the film industry yeah, that a, and Star Wars both like those those two films basically yeah. define our, like why we have summer blockbusters. It's oh, yeah. the reason we have Transformers too. <laughs> <laughs> and three, I, I have to admit, I've never actually seen Jaws all the way through. I've only really? seen scenes from it. Yeah, I, no, I, I know, it's. I, it's very good. I wouldn't be it's, surprised. I consider it one know. of the best movies I've ever seen. Interesting. See, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of times I find when I watch movies from the 1970s that they have a certain style to them yeah. that, that I don't necessarily like. No, I agree with that. Jaws doesn't have that though. It's got good. It's still, even to this day, it still has good pacing and everything. It's not. Yeah, I was I was going to bring up the pacing. I love the pacing. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't concern itself with silly little side plots that have nothing to do with anything. Have you seen a J.J. Abrams TED Talk where he, I mean, he talks about the the magic box and story and stuff like that. But he talked about like Jaws, you know. Um, he talked about like Jaws isn't a story about a shark, you know. He's like it's about a man, like that's trying not to lose his family, you know. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was a really cool thing because because there's actually a lot of layers to Jaws beyond just the, you know, the shark, the shark. Yeah. <laughs> well, also secretly, it's a chase film. Yeah. I mean, if you it makes sense when you say it's a chase film because you're like, yeah, it is, but I don't think you immediately think of it as a chase film. Yeah, but it is, yeah. and it's a brilliant chase film. Yeah, you're right about that because you don't, you don't, it doesn't come to mind. But once someone says it, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that works. Well, no, I, yeah, now you're making me want to watch Jaws again. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. And you Great know what? It's too. on, it's on Netflix streaming. So, ha ha ha. There you go. Hey, also, even, even our Canadian oh, friend can watch it. <laughs> well, so to bring this back to to the to guess video games and like, because uh, you know earlier Jeff, you were talking about Resident Evil and that maybe playing the model order changed it. Um, I guess here's the question that I wondered about because I, I do believe like hardcore that there are some games you just gotta play when they come out. Like, like to me, if someone plays, you know, Metal like, Gear Solid, it's gonna yeah. Someone really plays Metal Gear Solid right now. Dated. Yeah, it's gonna feel so dated because there are, there have been other games that have come along and done it better. You know, um, and oh no, yeah, that's that actually happened to me. I but at the time, Elder but at the time, so nothing was a cinema- cinematic. So time. here's the question: Then is a game should a game be like this? Is the thing I constantly struggle with, at least with like reviewing games and stuff. Like we give a game a review, and then maybe a year later we're like, you know what, you know, maybe we should go back and adjust that. But like, like for Halo Reach, I can probably say pretty confidently right now, if someone played it at Halo Reach a year from now, and you weren't experiencing it like collectively with other gamers while they were doing it, um, that you you probably wouldn't be as impressed by it. Or if you just played it in a little bubble, without 
You know what I mean? Like without experiencing all the things with all the other people with, um, that it wouldn't be the same. And so I guess my question is, I, I agree with you, Eddie. Yeah. So my, so my question is then does, is the game really timeless and does it deserve that high of a grade? Well, I, well I think- Halo, Halo is more of a collective experience. I feel like ever since two, they've really been pushing the fact that like a lot of Halo has to do with multiplayer and experiencing exactly. things online. And like one of the first things they announced for three was online co-op. So That's you can get together with four people. So Halo is definitely very, uh, very about the moment and about playing it with other people. Like, like you said, I imagine if you come to Reach later, like a year later, and none of your friends are playing it because they've moved on, and you're just playing it by yourself, you'd be like, "Well, this is okay. I don't see what was so great about it at the time." Yeah, because I played, I finished Halo Three just earlier this year, and it wasn't, it didn't overwhelm me at all. I was kind of under, I was like, "Oh, this is all right," you know. I, you know, I liked it enough, but then Reach, like. It's a totally different experience because, I, I mean, I was playing The Long Night of Solace with Eddie and Nick, and they were sitting there because they'd already like beaten it, and they were like, oh, let's do this Twice. so Anthony can get this. Yeah, they were like, let's do this so Anthony can get this achievement for blowing up this spaceship or whatever. I was like, I yeah. had like a guided tour of it. So it was, <laughs> it was it made it a whole lot more fun. So well, I agree with that 100%. Well, and if you hadn't played, like, like yeah, that's a, that's a perfect example because if you had played that by yourself, you probably wouldn't have been thinking about, oh, here's a neat thing I can see or here's like a little achievement I can get. You know, yeah. but it became like a. Trying to play it. Yeah, exactly. It became this kind of it. It becomes like a. I almost want to say like more meta experience. You know what I mean? Because you experience the game on a different level. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's more of like a. It becomes more of a communal experience. Like I'm I'm experiencing with my friends who you know they. I'm enjoying it through you guys as well as enjoying it with myself. So. Now, now this kind of gets to what you were wanting to talk about, Anthony, about this being one of the first Halo games that like really grabbed you do you think that has something to do with it i uh, definitely yeah because i played um the first halo back in 2007 and i really liked it a lot uh, up until reach it was my favorite i liked the single player i didn't play any multiplayer or anything with anybody but i really liked the single player a lot um and halo 2 was it was okay like i thought the story was kind of a mess and it had no ending but um i still enjoyed it and halo 3 like i said it, it was all right you know but this one like I think it's directly because I was playing it with you guys and getting to experience it with um, with you and like you were pointing out all these cool little things and it just it just made it a lot more fun you know because we get three or four of us on there we jack up the difficulty level and all of a sudden it's just it become like one of the coolest things it's just was, mayhem <laughs> yeah like yes because I was playing with people who knew how to play the game like w- mm-hmm. like. Eddie was in um, a warthog, and Nick was driving a warthog, and I was the gunner. And then there was a moment where Nick was like, "Okay, we're gonna go around for another pass," and I'm like, "Oh, this is awesome!" <laughs> like, See, I literally my, my was just like, is, "I'm so happy right now." Right, but we knew we're in the golf cannon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm glad. Like, I'm glad I've got gotten to play some multiplayer with you guys and some firefight and stuff like that. But I felt like I needed to play the the campaign by myself first a little bit just to get the hang of the game, just because. See, Actually, I thought that too, Jeff, and then they, they came on and they were like, let's play, and I had an, I, the fun factor jacked up like 10 times for me, because I'm, I'm usually the same as you, I want to play it by myself first. It's this interesting thing, because I, uh, because I actually played it co-op first. Yeah, me too. The, the entire campaign, and yeah. it, was, it was so much fun to play with friends, yeah. but the game itself wasn't actually that impressing. Until I went through and I started to play through it single player by myself, the way like the way it's supposed to be played, I guess, where you are just one person with your team of five other people, and you notice more 
nuances and like little things stick out to you more. And it actually, I felt like the story really came alive when there wasn't three other people <laughs> yelling over the microphone about <laughs> nading grunts. Like, yeah. <laughs> but both were fun for what they were. And right. I loved both of them. But I feel like the, the, the campaign was much more impressive playing it at a slower pace by yourself. Interesting. Yeah. Eddie, no, no, Nick, you're right. Because I feel like, um, and it wasn't anything that you guys did, but every time we play on co-op i feel like i'm missing bits of the story because yeah, there's, totally there's chatter agree. that's going on from the game that's telling you what to do and everything i was just following you guys i didn't know why we were going to the ani sword base <laughs> <laughs> right. you know what? honestly like i i am a big proponent for good storytelling in video games but this is one of the few games where i'm just like i don't give a shit what the story is because i you know i've missed so much of the mythology i'm just like uh. i think i missed <laughs> like i think one time i i say i stopped in the middle of a, a cutscene and it didn't replay and I missed like the the motivation for why I was attacking base. I was just like, eh, I guess I don't really care. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, if it's important, Eddie will tell me. <laughs> <laughs> like I know there's some AI, and I know there's some evil aliens and stuff, and I'm supposed to shoot people, but that's about all I got so far. <laughs> that's so I guess a lot of every Halo, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess it begs the question: Then does like every does every like single player game need co-op? Not like need, but like should every no. single. Are we hitting a, a point no. where every single player game should have co op, or do you no, think no. those? I think imagine, I imagine Mass Effect Two with co op. That's okay. Yeah. Because okay, I don't want to play Mass Effect Two or Bioshock Infinite, or Mass Effect Three, whatever, or Bioshock Infinite co op. I want to play those by myself. You know, to like pay t- to pay attention to the story, pay attention to it to the, like, well, especially the, like the atmosphere too. Atmosphere, yeah, the beauty of it. Like, like when you like when you play Bioshock, and like one of the most impressive things about the game is just looking at Rapture. Yeah, and, yeah. and so I think Bioshock, outside the windows into Bioshock the ocean Infinite. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so Bioshock Infinite's going to do that as well. I feel like, and I really want to be like, I don't even want to be on headset. Like, I just want to be sitting on my couch alone in a room mm-hmm. in. In, immersed in the experience. Oh yeah, no. There's totally, there's totally games that I cannot play. Like you know, if we're in party chat, I, there are games that I can't play because I want to pay attention. Right. There, yeah. Like, that's have you ever have you ever played like Mass Effect or like Fallout Three like in front of other people? No. Yes, I don't like yeah. it. No, it's incredibly annoying because like my friend found out that you can have sex in Mass Effect. So every time I talk to a woman, can you have sex with her? Where's the dialogue option for sex? Oh, <laughs> Ow. It, that would get. Yeah. I would punch him maybe. I actually or, did. Or punch like him. playing playing in front of Daniel, where he's like, "Kill that guy." Yes. <laughs> yeah, my friends do that too. It's like, kill that guy. He's my quest giver. Do it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There, there are definitely like some situations where the game is designed well enough that you get and you, like you both get into the co-op, and and it both, uh, you know, when you're caught up in it and you're not commenting on the game and you're both in the moment. That's I think when co-op is crucial you know when in a game RE5, is five we haven't I, talked I was about try, it yet i was trying not to talk about it we haven't talked about <laughs> I was it yet gonna say, i was gonna say gears of war but yeah re5 is good i too. was trying to resist uh, co-op. you like, know we yeah. bring up re5 every time but yeah it's that's an amazing game should, though i feel like we need to bring it up every time i feel like our listeners would be disappointed <laughs> <laughs> someone just someone commented on the last podcast because we brought it up that and portal portal is pretty good yeah, so you know what? I, and actually, I would argue that the single best co-op moment, is, since we brought up RE5 anyway, is the second DLC pack. Um, oh yeah, the one I did by myself. Oh my <laughs> god, I can't believe you did that by yourself. 
Like that, that's insane. Like that level is so like Eddie and I were just swearing and screaming and dying. I use that, I use that to pick up chicks. Hey, you know, I did the second DLC of resident evil five by myself. Baby. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was like, that's what I mean by in the moment. Like Eddie, you, you would agree. We were both like really intensely there. Jeff, get on the gun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Each other. Well, no, it's, it's funny. Um, cause someone brought up bringing like playing games in front of people. Um, Mitch, didn't you do a feature about that one time? Like games that you just shouldn't play in front of people? <laughs> yeah, game, five games you shouldn't play around non-gamers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, because yeah, there are certain games... Like, I remember when I was <laughs> when I was playing Metal Gear Solid 2, and I talked to my friend about this. Uh, there's a guy named Jesse. Nick, you remember Jesse. Yeah. Um, we... Because <laughs> we were both talking about this, because me and him were the biggest Metal Gear Solid fanboys. Uh, so it's pretty funny, because like, I have like these two opposite experiences with Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 2. Metal Gear Solid 1, I remember my mom had um, a bunch, like, because my mom was part of, like, a singles group at her church, and so people would come over, and they would bring their kids, and my mom just expected me and Carrie to, like, entertain, like, <laughs> like all these other people's kids. Um, but I, I was just playing Metal Gear Solid because I was like, F it, I'm not going to talk to these people. But then they all set, ended up sitting there watching me play the first, like, hour of the game. And there were like, and there were like, you know, some girls there too. And they were like, "This is like watching a movie." <laughs> you know what I mean, and that—that's one of like the coolest like experiences I've had playing games in front of other people. Nice. But Metal Gear Solid Two, I was embarrassed to play in front of my roommate because it was so ridiculous and stupid. Like, oh yeah, you you cannot play Metal Gear in front of non gamers, especially yeah. non Metal Gear fans. Yeah, yeah. And and like, I remember my roommate was always like, "What the heck is going on in this game?" And you know, Jesse, my friend, was saying the same thing. He loved Mogar Salt, and he was like, "I was embarrassed and played in front of my wife," you know, <laughs> because he was like, "It was so ludicrous." But yeah, so like one time I was playing uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, and you know, like Ocelotti always did those like hand gestures. Yeah, yeah. My mom walks in on me playing that. And she's like, "Is that man a homosexual?" <laughs> 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 Uh, the, answer guys, is, um, and the answer is probably. <laughs> yeah. Did you, guys get a, did you guys get a lap dance in Grand Theft Auto Four? Yes. Oh, I got more. I got more. Did you ever t- uh, take a prostitute into the car? That was graphic. Yeah. Was yeah. Surprised. Well, no, I was getting, I was getting the lap dance, and then you know you can bring in another girl. So there's two girls giving you a lap dance, and then my mom walks by. She's like, "What are you playing?" <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "And you're like, get uh, out of here, mom." I was like, I just started laughing. I just started laughing because, man, Games Radar wrote exactly about this on a feature, and I just was like, it came true. So I was like, it's a game. Come here. Like I used to, please. When I got Grand Theft Auto Three, I used to be like, you know, oh look at this game that you bought me for Christmas, and I would like, you know, get a hooker and then kill her, and I'm like, look, I'm killing hookers on Jesus's birthday. Thanks, mom. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hope you like the toaster. <laughs> yeah, my, my parents stopped paying attention to me playing video games about Sonic 3. That was, they would, because they would actually, my mom played Mario and Sonic. Like, oh, nice. like, we would trade off stuff. Like, trade off controllers. And she loved Sonic. She actually, I got her, or my dad got her a, a DS for Christmas a few years ago. And so we get her games every year for birthday and Christmas and stuff. And she has uh, an old Sonic pack or something. Oh, that nice. She has, and she freaking can't get enough of it. She plays Sonic the Hedgehog all the time on that thing. Yes, she, she loves does. It so <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making a your mom joke. Let's move on. That was... Wow. <laughs> You remember Eddie, Top Nick Gun is, for the NES? My grandmother used to play that with me. 
Oh, I Get your grandmother myself. landed on the carrier. No, no. Oh, I think it was Top Gun 2 where you could play dog fights against each other and she would play that with me. She was pretty good. Uh, well, since I just awkwardly put a stop to that entire train of thought. Broke the right, podcast. Yeah, I broke the podcast. Uh, we're just going to move on. <laughs> Sweep that under the rug. Uh, but since we spent a long time talking about Halo Reach and other games, uh, we'll just go ahead and move on to kind of the main meat of the podcast along with Reach was the uh, just the fall games that are coming out. Uh, the rest of this year. There's actually quite a few, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but I guess I was just going to put out the question to you guys. What are the games that you're most excited about that are coming up? Not everyone at once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I am most excited about Fallout New Vegas. I loved the hell out of Fallout 3. And as long as um, Obsidian doesn't break the game, uh, I expect a lot of good stuff out of New Vegas because they are really good at writing dialogue and everything. I expect the the dialogue options and conversations to be a lot wittier and just more varied than Fallout 3 was. And um, and yeah, I just want to play a whole lot of that. Yeah, a game a game I really wish I could play. Um, that I mean, maybe I'll get a chance to play it, but because I don't have a Wii anymore, uh, I would really get, would like a chance to play Epic Mickey. Oh um, yeah. But I'm actually really looking forward to uh, Costume Quest. Um, yes. Yeah, that game just looks, I don't know, it just it has like a certain look to it that just is, produces that nostalgia thing in me. And I just really want to play it because I've been hankering for some, just some good like RPGs, especially after playing, playing um, Breath of Death 7 this week. Like I just Go download you know, it. Yeah, everyone needs to go download it. Just a dollar. See, um, I haven't heard I haven't heard anything it. about costume costume quest. I've never heard of this game. Like that's oh. the thing. I look at this list that, that we're looking at. It's from yeah, it's from Double Fine, Jeff. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I, all right. So that that's that's already one clue what to expect. But I don't. I actually don't recognize a lot of these games. Like, you know, I just downloaded the Enslaved demo and. Well, you recognize I, like the sequels, like New Vegas, Black Ops, Dead Rising. I mean, well, Dead Rising Two is already out, but. Assassin's Creed, Fable Three. Oh, did you? Yeah. The thing I've heard about Dead Rising Two, this is kind of a weird way to put it, uh, but my friend is playing it, and he said it is Dead Rising One Part Two. <laughs> I mean, and if you and if you love Dead Rising One, that yeah. is amazing news. Yeah. So I mean, he and he loved Dead Rising. Um, so he's like, he's really loving Dead Rising Two. Mainly, he the thing he loves is combining all the, combining all the. Um, the different weapons. weapons and stuff, but yeah, it's like it was. He called I've it. Heard the, that's great. Yeah, well, yeah. He called it the fire hammer. It was two fire axes attached to a sledgehammer. <laughs> and God, so that it was great. It was the fire hammer, and then there was also the. Um, it was you can electric tape, guitar. You can tape knives to a boxing glove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jeff, like, you were you're very excited about that. <laughs> so okay, but the, but okay, but at the same time, doesn't. At some point, does that become more important to the game than the actual game? And does oh, that take like away crafting from... Weapons. Yeah, does like, okay, i got to make the most ridiculous weapon possible become more important than, like, game play? Do you know what I'm saying? I, like, I will find out and report back next podcast. <laughs> well, that, I think that's a worry. I mean, am I, am I crazy here? Or, I mean... Well, I, I, played, I played the... the, the, the uh, Demo with a charge, uh, case zero. Yes, and uh, you can make weapons in that. I mean, it's a it's a neat addition, but it doesn't overshadow everything else. Maybe okay. because it's such a limited selection. I don't know. You can put two chainsaws on the uh, on either end of a paddle and swing that around. 
<laughs> which is incredible. But no, one of yeah. one of the weapons he said he did was it was like some kind of amp and like an electric guitar, and then you play it, and it makes their heads blow up or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. That's that awesome. sounds fantastic because my favorite weapon in the first game was a shower head where you like slam it into their head and then blood pours out of the shower head. <laughs> nice. Wow. See, I never so, played the, I only played the demo for the first one. I never played the actual full game. So I, I don't know. It, it was kind of fun, but it was also kind of cheesy and I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily looking forward to Dead Rising 2, I, I don't know if I'll pick it up unless it, you know, gets real cheap. I'm sure it'll eventually get real cheap, but oh, probably. Yeah, no, it it, so, it sounds like I don't really need to go back and play the first one if it's just basically yeah, the from same. What I, yeah, from what I read in some of the reviews, if you haven't played the first one, you might as well just play this one because it's yeah. better in every way. Yeah, but still the same. But yeah, still, yeah. basically the same. Yeah, it fixes yeah. some of the like, just you know clunkiness or you know control problems or streamlines certain things but it's it was just, actually it was actually same. developed by a canadian uh canadian company called blue castle Games. so yeah just that's true thought i'd mention that <laughs> canadian pride yeah, yeah exactly there we they're go. from vancouver so no i'm actually also looking forward to front mission evolved that's a, a square enix game it's a it's like a strategy rpg game with um like a uh, mechs Oh, nice. Um, and Front Mission, I think four was the last one, and it's been like five or six years since it's been out. Um, but I remember I, I, when I interned in Austin um, that summer, I guess 2004 is when it came out, and I played it like all summer long. Like I just I loved that game. So I'm actually curious to hear about this one, but I hear it's a shooter. So yeah, this is just a, this is a straight up third person shooter. There's no strategy. Oh well. This is them trying not to... as excited all of a sudden. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's evolved, Eddie. It evolved from strategy into a shooter. So yeah, Mass this Effect is them 2 trying, <laughs> Yeah, This is them trying to make it you know, into a mass appeal game. And I read a review on 1up.com that you know, they gave it a C+. Mm. So uh, that's basically sad. A, a third, a average third-person shooter, and you can't even like destroy buildings and stuff like that that are in the landscape. Oh. So, yeah. so basically, their definition of evolved is to remove all the cool stuff and make it yeah. more generic. So strike that one off the list. Yeah. Well, because it's you um, know what it'll probably sell better than any of the others in the series too. <laughs> well, it was so fun because yeah, it was a strategy RPG with like you know above down like a top down um, with tiles, and you would fight through like these cities, and you could like some things could launch over buildings, some things could shoot through buildings. Like it was just you know, and you could you had the different kinds of mechs with different kinds of guns. To, you know, and one essentially one was like your wizard, one was like you know your tank. And so right, it, was, it was actually it was really classes. Cool. Yeah, yeah see, it was very cool. Wizard see, Wizard see, Mech sold that game for me. So is it? I mean, I haven't really played much of that type of game. I've really only played uh, Valkyria Chronicles, which is kind of similar to that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a strat so, RPG. Yeah, yeah it, you know, I, I would be looking forward to another Valkyria Chronicles game if they actually still released them for the PS3 and made it so that you could save in the middle of a battle. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Those two things. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff go get Final Fantasy Tactics and thank me yes. later. Yeah, on the PSN, you can download it. It's, oh, nice. it's yeah. incredible, dude. Just do it. Do it's, it. It'll change do your it. Life. I don't care what the price is. They can charge $50. $10. It's, it's $50. Do it. It's really good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to spend fifty dollars on it. How old is the game? Uh, it's uh, brilliant. Came out really. in like ninety-seven or eight. Ninety-seven or ninety-eight. Came or out when video games used to be good. Ooh. It is the best. <laughs> wow. It came out 
<laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that to be bad. Of all time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at this list. I'm trying to see, like, well, okay, uh, Medal of Honor right there is a huge one. I mean, that's, yeah. you can't deny Isn't that, that. So that's, that's kind of their, they're trying to compete with Call of that's Duty. That's their Call of Duty yeah. kill. So I was actually just about to say, I, I think I might be interested in Black Ops. But I, me it's too. Because but it's because, it's because even, though, even, though, even though it's Treyarch, um, I'm kind of hoping for another game like Call of Duty 4 that has a good campaign. Because I was not impressed with Modern Warfare 2's campaign. I did, did you not play World of War? No, I never played World of War. I, I, I've heard really the, good. I've yeah, heard it was actually really good. Oh, really? Good, so the, the campaign is shit, good? But, like, well, they haven't like the, the public opinion hasn't shifted enough, but like really, if you played World at War, you know Treyarch's no joke anymore. I mean, they're really good. Well, hold on, we're get, we're getting a little bit ahead of where I want to be because we're about to do a different segment where we do over under. It's a a new thing we want to do where we just do over under on different Metacritic um, predictions for some of these fall games, um, based on kind of looking at scores for maybe other games in the franchise or other games in that series or whatever. But um, just thought it'd be a fun way to for us to kind of pick and see, um, you know, later it can be bragging rights. But um, I guess the first one, uh, we'll, we'll just start with Call of Duty Black Ops. Since you guys were talking about I didn't want to get too far ahead into the conversation um, and go ahead and use it here. Um, looking at other Call of Duty scores, uh, like Call of Duty 4, uh, Metacritic's about a 94, you know, Modern Warfare 2, probably, I think it gets around a 93, but I put together a little average. And so I want to see what you guys thought. Do you think Call of Duty Black Ops Metacritic score is going to be over or under a 91? Ooh. Mm. That's pretty high. That's the thing, because I was, I was averaging all of them. Um, World at War's Metacritic score was an 84. Really? Uh, it was that low? Yeah, it was an 84. Um, mm, surprising. Then I'm going under. Okay. Mitch? Uh, I'm going above. You're going to go over? Yes. Okay. Do what... Okay, well, Nick and Mitch, what do you guys think the actual number might be? Over uh, under, then give your score kind of about. Uh, I'm thinking, you, know, you said over under 91, right? Yeah. So World of War was an 84. Uh, probably like an 87, maybe. Okay, Mitch? God, I'm, it's going to sound so lame, but 92. <laughs> <laughs> That's not lame, Jeff? See, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with Nick. I think it's going to go under, because um, I, I, I feel like People are suspecting that Treyarch isn't as good at it as as uh, Infinity Ward. So they have like a handicap. They're yeah, yeah. They have a handicap. So I'm going to say yeah. I'll go with Nick's 87. Okay, Anthony. One dollar. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, no, you know what? I'm actually going to go under, but I'm going to go with a 90. I think that some of the things I've read in the press, like people seem to be saying, no, no, Treyarch's really got it going on this time. But there's still going to be some people who, like Jeff said, are starting them off behind the game. So I'm going to go. Well, I, listen, I, I was going to maybe go push ish. I mean, I know we're not, we shouldn't push, but I was going <laughs> to go with a round of push until you told me that world of war got an, world 84. Of war was an 84. Because I, I thought world of war got like an 88 or something. So when you told me yeah. that, then I, I kind of dropped my score based on that. Yeah. yeah that kind of changed me too. Cause I was going to say over, but then when you told me that, I'm like, well, no, maybe not. So, so what makes you guys think that this one's going to be better than World at War? Because that, that seems to be the general consensus. I've been impressed what I've, with what I've seen from like trailers and stuff. It looks interesting. I, I think they've picked a good... I like that it's not a World War II game. Yes. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's a good choice creatively. 
Mainly, um, I like that it's, it's the thing that interests me is that it's Cold War. I didn't realize it was Cold War until like and a then, week or two in, ago, right? Yeah, until a few weeks ago, and then instantly I was like, "Oh, well, we haven't had a lot of Cold War games." I'm so, interested to see what they do story wise there. I thought it was Vietnam. Is it Vietnam and Cold War, or is it just Cold War? It's, it's Cold War. You may do a mission in Vietnam, but it yeah. doesn't take place. In well, Vietnam. there's a mission in Cuba, isn't there? Yeah, there's one in Cuba, and there's there one, one in like, Siberia or something. Or something. I did not. I, for some reason, everything I had read, I thought it was Vietnam based. Um, the, there is uh, a mission. Uh, there is a mission in Hue City, which is in Vietnam. So okay, yeah, yeah but the Cold campaign isn't about Vietnam. I, I, don't, I think maybe there's something about the the Cold War that sort of taps into the culture of my childhood. You know, like no, I just, could see that definitely. It just makes me think of like '80s move, action movies where all the bad guys were were Russians. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, know? no, I think of like Hunt for Red October and or stuff war like games, that. You know, yeah, or, yeah. or like yeah, every yeah. Dolph Lundgren Red movie. Dawn. Yeah, <laughs> Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm, no, I feel like that. They have an opportunity here to tackle something that most games haven't tackled, and I feel like, I mean, I haven't played World at War, but people say that they did a pretty good job with it. I feel like they could handle this. It's a, it's a, it's a recent, or I mean, not recent enough, it's a fresh enough topic that they might be able to hit one out of the park here. I don't know. Talking about it, I almost want to go over now. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> See, I would say under, but I but just under. I'm thinking 89, 90 is about yeah. this game. I think it's going to do better than World of War. I mean, the multiplayer stuff they've shown is actually really impressive. I actually wasn't interested in the game until I saw some of the multiplayer stuff with the um, they have like the different uh, chance games where you gamble like your the score. Like it'd be like in Halo yeah, Reach where you get your credits. It'd be like gambling those. In other games, to well, like wasn't wasn't there that more. in uh, Counter Strike? I mean, it's essentially kind of like the money modes in Counter Strike, yeah. but it carries over. But the they, the different modes they have too are really cool. Like, there's a mode where you have to get through every like weapon in the game, and if you kill somebody, um, you know, you start off with like a pistol, and then you kill somebody, you go up to like you know the next pistol, and then you kill somebody, you go up to like the shotgun, and then a submachine gun, and then, and it's all right. And if you die, you go down one too. And I think if you get stabbed, you go down like two levels or something like that. And it's funny. So those are the wa- those are the wager battles. That's one of the modes they have with it. That just sounds huh. really fun. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because some you know I remember we posted on the site and people were pointing out like, oh well, Counter Strike did this other piece. I'm like, yes, but I mean that's Counter Strike. I mean, you mean this? It's what? It's been how many years since Counter Strike? <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's like it's it's you know why would you begrudge a game having twelve? Like, Is that yeah. right? Why would you begrudge a game having like these other taking cues from something great and bringing it into a new? Well, no, game, when, when I said it's know? like Counter Strike, I I wasn't dissing. No, no, it. I know, I know you weren't. I'm just saying like that. I've seen that around on different like comments and stuff. People are like, oh, pff, you know, these other games did that first. Well, yeah, like. But they did it how long ago? And I'm excited that it's coming to this game. And I haven't seen so it done. Have I haven't seen it done in a console game. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. And so there, there definitely seems to be a lot of originality going for it. Also, on the PC version, they brought back dedicated servers, and that alone. Ah, <laughs> uh, they didn't take them. <laughs> <laughs> Infinity Ward took them, and Treyarch brought them back. Yes, Treyarch delivered them into the promised land. I'm sure nice. that was entirely a, a strategic move. Where they're just like, we have to make up for this insane outroar. <laughs> like the the only way that people will trust us is if we do this. Oh God, IWNet was so broken, so yeah. broken. Nice. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on to um, Fallout New Vegas. Is the next game. This one's kind of <laughs> tricky. Um, I, I've kind of gone back and forth about picking what my what my score should be here to to do the over under on because Fallout Three Metacritic score is about a ninety three. <laughs> um, 93 on 360, 91 on, on uh, PC. 
it's a 90 on PS3. So, I mean, but it's around like a 92, 93 in general. Older Fallout games are a little bit less than that, but I feel like those don't matter as much. I feel yeah. like I feel like game game reviews and game scores yeah. before like 10 years ago. Exactly. That that you can't you can't go on that stuff. Yeah. And also the old, the older Fallout's are kind of a different animal compared well, to Fallout. and then also it's Obsidian developing this game. And yes. Obsidian's last game was Alpha Protocol which Metacritic average is about like a 65. So, <laughs> oh. so what, did, what did they do before uh, Alpha Protocol? Just out of curiosity, does uh, anyone know? Nice of the Knights of the Old Republic two, two. Um, that that was the last one they did before Alpha Protocol. There, there, there had to have been another one, but that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. So, so I had a, I had I had trouble choosing this one because I was like, I don't want to just do an average of those two and be like, you know, over or under an eighty because everyone's going to go over probably. <laughs> but, um, but so I decided I would just stick with Fallout Three score. Okay. Yeah. So over or under, I'll just say over or under ninety two. Under. Under. All right, Mitch. Under. Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say under, and I, I'm actually gonna say it's probably gonna go pretty low under, like eighty or below. Dang. I think so. I will say like eighty five or something. People will like it, but they'll say that it's just more of the same. And that is fine with some people, but that pisses others off, you know, unless it's Call of Duty. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think. About 85. All right, Mitch? Yeah, actually, I'm going to say 85, pretty much for the same reason. Nick? Uh, I'm going to strike out here. I'm, gonna, I'm going over. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... No way. I'm going to say right. that it... I'm going to say that it surprises people and that it... it uh, is a maybe game of the year candidate. Really? That's wow. them, strong, them strong words. It, it really is just me kind of throwing one out there. I really have nothing to back this up with. <laughs> but I'm going to say 94. Dang. Why not? I'm, yeah, See, this I'm, is I one know. that I want to push on. <laughs> like, I want to push. I want to say it's going to be a 92. Um, I'm, I'm going to push. I'm going to do it. Why not? Okay. I want to I chicken out and push. Um, because I, I kind of feel like I've been skeptical, 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 skeptical about this game. Um, I've been skeptical about things. <laughs> I've been skeptical about it just because it's uh, it's Obsidian doing it, but the the latest like dev diaries and stuff are are pretty cool. Uh, I've been actually really impressed with them, and and it's one of those things where the more I see about it, the more confidence I have in it. You know, because some things go the other way around. Yeah. You know. See, I haven't I haven't watched any of the dev diaries. I'm really just going on like that. It it. It looks like more of the same, and that it's just people are just going to give it, you know, lower scores because it, it they, they think it's a retread or something, you know. I, but I also feel like um, I feel like Fallout in retrospect is remembered better than it was originally. I feel like uh, you know when it came around, like Fallout Three got what like a nine five maybe on IGN something like that. Yeah, and then at the by the end of the year, in the same year that. Uh, Grand Theft Auto and uh, uh, what's it called? Metal Gear Solid Four were released and got perfect tens. Mm. It it Fallout Three beat them for Game of the Year. Yeah, that is so, true. Fallout Three had more staying power than those those yeah. two. Yeah, and so games. I feel like that might actually help this game because people remember how much they liked Three. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Mm. Nice. All right. Well, we're gonna By go way, ahead and move was, on. Uh, Neverwinter Nights 2 is the one they did before Alpha Protocol. Oh, okay. For the curious. 
Yeah. So they've done they've done sequels, and their one original game is ridiculously low rated. Ouch. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, this is one of those. I think it, I like it. It could flop. Not like, and when I say flop, I mean like eighties. You know, like mid to low eighties. But that'd be a pretty big hit from Fallout Three. You know, from what it, yeah, it's how it's regarded. One uh, thing I want to point out is some of the original developers of Fallout are working on this game. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. why I've been impressed with like the dev diaries and stuff. I'm like, it yeah. seems like there's a lot of care going into this, and uh, I'm just, I don't know. I've just been really impressed with them. So I guess that's the point of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I should watch the dev diaries to, to, to get it's that. It's working. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I wanted to move on to. Um, so we talked about Call of Duty. I guess talk about the Call of Duty killer, or what Electronic Arts hopes is the Call of Duty killer, uh, Medal of Honor. There's been kind of a lot of hype about the game, uh, partly because some of it takes place in Afghanistan, um, and there's been some controversy about that. But but I know EA is really banking on the Medal of Honor series um, to do well. What's weird is I seem to remember Medal of Honor. I don't know. I remember Medal of Honor being rated much higher. But looking at all their old scores, it's about. I mean, granted, a lot of them are older because you know some of those Medal of Honor games. You know, Frontline was the last really good one. Yeah, uh, Frontline it averaged around like an eighty-eight. Yeah. Um, that was my then, favorite. Yeah, then there's Airborne, which was well, Pacific Assault. I I remember being better than the Metacritic score, which is only eighty. But yeah, um, Airborne's like in the high seventies. Um, you know, yeah, Pacific Assault it's got an eighty. So this one was a little tricky. Uh, I wanted to stick around mid 80, so I'm going to say 85 over or under. Over. You think over? Over. Okay. Do you have a score? Um, 90. Okay, Mitch. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go uh, probably like I want to say 79. Dang! Wow. Right. Yeah. See, okay. Well, hold on, Jeff. I'm, I'm going to push. I don't know anything about Medal of Honor at all. Like, I, I, <laughs> seriously, I, I'm clueless about it. So I don't even know. I haven't read it. All I've read is that it, it doesn't have as enough buzz. <laughs> yeah. That that's what I, that's one thing I read was that they they don't think it has enough buzz to to actually take over the throne. Yeah. All right. Well, also, I, I uh, just real quick. Sorry, uh, I read that the pre-orders are really high for Medal of Honor. It, Best in the series, they said, but I mean, how many people were pre-ordering Medal of Honor back in you know 2002? Um, what was what was your uh, what's your baseline score? 85. 85. I'll say 87 because it's from the guys who made uh, Bad Company too. Um, they they worked doing... on the multiplayer. Yeah, they worked on the multiplayer. Uh... So I'll go ahead and say that 87. All right. Well, Mitch, I want to come back to you because you're you're the only person in here that's actually like played the game. You're saying. You're saying seventies. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying seventies. I think that like the multiplayer is what I played. I think that's gonna be great. I think the campaign is gonna fall flat in its face. Cause how much have we seen of the campaign besides the fact that you play as a dude with a huge beard? That's true. They haven't shown hardly anything of the campaign. Yeah, like not that I know like all of it's been of been of multiplayer. Like the big thing around the multiplayer is like one side is the Taliban. And that it's using the frostbite engine from Bad Company. They have said nothing about the single-player campaign that's of any importance. We, we haven't really seen any levels shown off or anything like that. It may come out of left field and blow us away. 
but I think because of that reason that the multiplayer is going to be pretty good and then the campaign is just going to drag the whole thing down into the 70s. See, I feel like the game almost, the way it's presenting itself, it's almost presenting itself to me as this is supposed to be a AAA title. So you need to think of us as a AAA title because we're taking on the big guy and we're just as big. Like, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like they're trying to play the underdog role. I feel like they're trying to play the we can play the game with the big guys role. And that just the posturing of being a AAA title will get you points with reviewers. Mm. That's a double-edged sword, though, because if you act like a AAA title and you come way and under AAA standards... Under, yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. That's true. Well, I'm, That's I'm saying they're going to deliver at least to a degree. But, I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? I mean... Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I, I, I had three more I wanted to do, but this is taking a little bit longer than I thought, so I'm going to pick one, um, or I'll let you guys pick. Out of Force Unleashed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, or Epic Mickey, which one do we want to score? Force Unleashed 2, yeah. Oh, okay, wow. Okay. What were you going to pick? <laughs> I was going to pick Assassin's Creed, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mitch, Mitch is going to say 100. Because um. <laughs> Mitch loved Assassin's Creed 2 and Halo ODST, and now you're getting both. Because it's yes. Assassin's Creed ODST. <laughs> um, exactly. Okay, so well, we'll do... Automatic 100. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and do Force Unleashed 2. The thing about Force Unleashed 2 is that Force Unleashed actually... It's pretty low. Um, I mean, not low. I mean, it was a decent game. But, yeah, it's hovering around a 70, actually. Um, yeah, right at about 70. So, I... 74 on game rankings. So. Yeah, so this, one's, so this one's a little trickier because it was like, I'm expecting this game to be better. Um, but how much better? So, I'm just going to throw a number out there. I'm going to say 80. Over under 80. Over. Over? You got a number? Yeah. Uh, 85. Dang. Okay, Nick? Mm, under. I'm gonna say under like, 80. I'm going to say 79. <laughs> so just yeah. under. All right, Jeff? I think I'm going to go over with Mitch just because <clears throat> the way he described it from PAX. It just, wow. I, I think they, I, I'm hoping they learn from their mistakes. It seems like they might have. All right, Anthony? Uh, I'm going to say, <clears throat> you said 80, right? Yeah. I'm going to say over with an 82. I think it's going to be slightly better and fulfill its potential from the first game uh, and still not be that amazing. <laughs> See, that's what I'm kind of expecting, too. I'm expecting, like, it's like, okay, it took a step forward and what everyone was kind of hoping this game could do. Like, like you know how we always say that Assassin's Creed felt like a tech demo and Assassin's Creed 2 was a game. I feel like it's going to be like Force Unleashed felt like a tech demo. Force Unleashed 1 felt like the rough draft. You know what I mean? Force Unleashed 2 felt like a more polished rough draft. And, oh man, can't wait for Force Unleashed 3. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's not good. You know, you that's kind of what I'm expecting. You don't think they're going to pull off an AC2 is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think so. I think they're going to pull off like, uh, you know somewhere between an AC1 and an AC2, and you're going to be like, okay, now there's really some potential here, but it's not going to come to fruition. When they when they showed the trailer for it, I think it was at the Spike Video Game Awards. Yeah. I literally just rolled my eyes. I was just like, oh, why aren't you, why are you doing this? See, yeah. I, I think, but, I think but as I've heard more, I've gotten a little bit more, okay, I'll try it. 
Well, what worries me is they keep putting out cinematic cinematic trailers. Oh, not I'm, like, okay, yeah, I'm like, you're like you're two weeks away from release, and all I keep seeing are these new cinematic trailers that mean nothing to me. You know, one thing I actually I posted the other day, the Castlevania Lords of Shadow thing, and it was just an 11 minute walkthrough of like, here's everything you need to know about this game, and you know, say what you will about the game or whatever. I actually wish more games would do something like that. You know, so like, the game the yeah. game does actually look pretty good. Yeah, running. Yeah, so like, I'm, I'm curious why they haven't shown more. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they just feel like because it's Star Wars, they have to do some kind of crazy cutscenes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like People need special set a precedent for that. Yeah, you would think they would try to, like, like Eddie said, like sort of maybe assuage or you know like assuage people's fears of because to me it was the gameplay that I really had a problem with. So I think they would be showing gameplay like, look, we fixed it, but they're not. They're hiding it. And that worried me. See, I don't know. I, I have to say, I think of all of us, I enjoyed the Force Unleashed the most. Although, you know, I, I did still want to throw my controller at the wall during the level where you're at the tower and there's AT-ATs everywhere. Or ATSTs, whichever one it is. <coughs> Anyways. The scout trippers. Or the scout ones. ATSTs. Yeah, ATSTs. Chicken walkers. They're not yeah. ATATs. Right, right. ATSTs, the small ones. That level. Don't you fight, don't you fight ATATs in two, though? Uh, that would be cool. But yeah, the, the level with the where there's like ten of those guys and there's there's a hundred soldiers all around. Yeah, that that was the one of the worst levels I ever ever played in the game. But yeah. when the game was good, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. So I don't know. I, I feel like I enjoyed it more than everybody. So I'm more inclined to be forget. Like if if two is as good as the good parts of one, I think it'll get better. Nice. Well, cool. So, as, before we move on, I guess, uh, to community topics, are there any other uh, fall games that you guys are thinking about? Like, I know I didn't get to talk about it earlier, but NBA Jam is one I kind of want to play. It probably won't be that I, good, I really, but I just want to really play, play it. Yeah, no, yeah. I really want to play it. And I, I want to play, because they're going to have, Wii is going to have, like, full version of the game, but you're going to be able to download the one on uh, PSN and on Xbox Live Arcade, right, for, like, 15 bucks or whatever. And it's yeah. going to be a truncated version, but it's going to be HD. Nice. I'm thinking just go with that. Like, I mean, yeah. that sounds fine to me. Like, I just want to fire it up and just play a few games with friends, and then be like, "Cool, that's it." That's really all I want it for. I don't nice. need a game out of it. I want to play Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to mention that. It's been forever coming. Yeah, I, I, I do too. So I want to play that. it so bad. Can it even live up to expectations? No, there's though? no way it can, but I still want to play the shit out of it. The thing is, I think it might. I mean, Gran Turismo games are incredible. Like, they just yeah. are. They come out and they just, they always raise the bar. And Granted, for some people, Forza, like, you know, has released for some three people, games. That's a, a big system seller. I know people yeah. that have been waiting for Gran Turismo to buy a PS3. Right. No, I, not, yeah, I know. One of those people, yeah, but, I know two people at my, at my, at, at work that are, that are both like huge car nuts, and they're like, yeah, I'm just waiting for Gran Turismo 5 before I get a PS3. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I wanna, it's so much in there that it's going to be a huge game. I definitely want to play. Like, I'm not like, I yes, sign me up. I've, I've, been, ready, I've been ready for it for five years. So let's go. Grand Turismo Two is some of my favorite gaming memories ever. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> we would play Grand Turismo Two over and over and over. So back much in the day. fun, man. See, yeah. you know, ga- racing games are really like the one of the only game types that just don't. I've never really gotten them. <laughs> you know, I, I've never been good at racing games other than 
well, Mario Kart, but it's not particularly re- realistic. So that's probably why I like it. <laughs> you know, but like I think the more realistic a racing game is, the the more likely I so am. So you're to really you're suck more into it. arcade arcade racers. Things. Yeah, I'm, arcade racers. I'm down with. I think realistic racers. I, I'm I'm just gonna suck at. So, see, I really love. I really like Fallout Three. I mean, Fallout. What Fallout Three. Wow. I really. Whoa. I really. I don't know what I just. I'm Nick sorry. has had seventeen hundred years. I, I really liked Forza Three a lot. I yeah. like a lot, a lot. Like I thought it was a really, really well done game. So I'm interested to see what what Gran Turismo can bring to the party. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in it because the last like car game I played was Burnout Paradise. Okay, I don't know yeah. if that counts. So I want to I want to try I want to try. That was like, like the that. open world racer, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. It was yeah. really good. They did some good DLC on there too. They did, yeah. and a lot of it was free, which was amazing. Yeah. I, I think I mean I know they don't release as many demos on PSN, but if there's a Grand Turismo Five demo, then I, I imagine there will be. Oh, there will be. Yeah, just to, just to get people hooked on it. Yeah, I, you know I'll check it out, but I, I don't think that's a game I could just go out and buy without having played it a little bit first. One of the most incredible yeah, things about Grand Turismo games. Steve. Yeah. Well, one of the most incredible things about Grand Turismo games is just how gorgeous they look. Like they, they. I remember they did this for. Grand Turismo Four, and they've done it for five already. Like, is this grand? Is the screenshot Grand Turismo Five, or is it real life? And sometimes yeah. it's hard to tell. Nice. Yeah. Like seriously. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, it's pretty freaky, Jeff. Like, yeah. It really, it really. <laughs> there are times when you're playing, you're like, holy. God. There, actually, there's times when I was playing Forza Three, where yeah. there would be stretches of there would be certain turns I would go through that I guess they just happened to nail those turns. Mm-hmm. And I would go through the turn, and and Matt was watching me play my roommate, and he would be like, "That looks real, like that." <laughs> if I didn't know any better, if I just glanced at, it, I would think it was real. Hmm. So yeah, they've come they've oh. come a long way. Nice. Well, any oh. other games that people are thinking about? Uh, yeah, this is only going to be to Vietnam, just because Battlefield's really important to my friends and I. So it's kind of out of the field because it's a little downloadable thing. But if it's more bad company, I'm all for it. Also, so sorry, it's, not, I interrupted. It's, not, it's not a full game? No, it's a, it's a $20 add-on pack. It's got four maps, but it's... Uh, but, it's but it's campaign, right? Yes? No, it's just multiplayer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, Anthony, yeah, what it, were you going to... Oh, uh, Splatterhouse. Um, and that's basically for two reasons. One, uh, I thought it looks kind of cool. Um, and I enjoyed the original Splatterhouse on the Turbo Graphics when I got to play it at a friend's house. But it's from... There's been a lot of drama with the developers and everything. Um, the original developing team, Model Rocket, got fired and then basically shut down. But then some of them went over to work with Namco Bandai. And these are the people that made uh, The Mark of Kree for the PS2. I don't know if any of you guys played that, but that was an amazingly fun game. Uh, it was a like a sleeper hit. Uh, I don't think many people played it, but the combat in that was just really, really brilliant. And if they do any of it of Splatterhouse like The Mark of Kree... Then I think it'll be really good. So I'm not gonna buy it, but I'm 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 anxiously wanting to rent it. So. Nice. nice, and I'm also looking forward to Need for Speed Hot Pursuit because I love yeah. those games. On the, was it the original PlayStation that I, the Need for Speed the last three? Hot Pursuit? Yeah, the first one that introduced like the police mechanic. Yeah, or whatever. it was either one. It was either PS1 or PS2. It might have been PS1. Might have been that on PC. If you can Damn. believe it, <laughs> that game was so fun, and I'm so glad they're turning to like the roots of like of exotic cars and police and yeah. go. You know, like that's just 
so excited about that. Yeah. Um, GoldenEye is one that I wanted to do an over-under on. I just don't think that game is going to live up to all the... To what people... What's in people's what heads? People, yeah, what people think. I don't think it is at all. Yeah. No. I, I, agree. I, I agree with you. I feel like it'll be... I feel like it'll be a mid-70s game. Yeah, like I was, I was like, if I was going to do it, I'd be like over under 74, and I, I would have said under. <laughs> I would, yeah, I'd say, yeah, or, yeah, about a push, yeah. Yeah, yeah Actually, push that. The, the game that I'm looking forward to the most, not because I think it's going to be the best game or anything like that, and I hate to be that guy on the gaming podcast. Are you going to say Rock Band? Rock Band 3, yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's going to say Rock Band 3. Because, only because I know that I will sink more time into that game than I will any other game on that list. I guarantee you that I will. Because people come over all the time and we'll sit there and we'll play Rock Band for four hours. And I know that it's like, it's oh, you're that kind of gamer, but whatever. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just I feel like a bad person, but I mean, that's, that's what I do. I play a lot of Rock Band and it's a lot of fun. And I know that I'm going to play Rock Band 3 for for hours every day for the next for a month after it comes out so if it makes you happy it can't be that bad <laughs> yeah. all right well uh, moving right along uh we're gonna hit up some community topics now um the first one i wanted to touch on was the would you rather plot edition because that was one that i mean you guys really seem to get into would you rathers and that one got quite a, a bit of comments i was it's actually one of my favorite would you rathers um, I just, I don't know. I was just really happy with these questions. Um, it's just cool to see kind of what what people think. But uh, it was mainly just about gaming stories, and we had questions like save the world or save the love interest. Uh, you know, have unique branching story options with a weaker overall narrative or a more rigid but overall stronger storyline, like that kind of stuff. Um, and really, I was just really, I don't know. I always love the would you rather responses. So going through, it's actually pretty cool. And it seems like a lot of people are kind of about on the same on the same page, but for me, one of the big ones was um, number two to listen to bad voice acting or read text for dialogue. I might be kind of a weirdo in this, but I actually just like reading text. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I I say that, but then of course I criticize like Zelda, Legend of Zelda, for not having voice actors. But I think because most because most RPGs just have such bad voice acting that. That's true. You know, I'd rather read text or I'd rather hear a Japanese track than, than right. actually... Yeah, I think it, it, it's more than it's like, would you voice over text? It's If it's bad dialogue or text, then yeah, text, of course. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like I would go text every time over bad dialogue. Yeah. And not, not to bring up Dead Rising again, did anyone here play that game besides me? I, like played, all the way I, I, no, I didn't play it all the way through. I just okay. played the demo, but the cutscenes in it are awful. They are awful, but even worse is all the text when you're in game. Uh, because you're like you're like running around oh, trying tiny, to avoid right? getting. Yeah, it's tiny, and you're running around trying to get avoid avoid being mauled by zombies. You can like strain your eyes and like squint at the bottom of the screen to see what people are saying. So in that in that case, I would prefer text in the game itself. But that's just one sort of example where. Uh, I mean, voice acting as opposed to text. I, yeah, I definitely did like the the mix of it. Like, it, it bothered me in Dragon Age that your main character doesn't have a voice, but everybody yeah. else does, and you just yeah. talk by picking it. You know, you're like, I picked the sentence. That's what I said. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that was. It felt like they. It felt like the game sort just gloss glossed over what you said because conversations would just keep going on. You'd be like, Well, what about this? And people would just be like, Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's I nice. They remedy that. I hope they remedy that in Dragon Age, even though I am a little bit worried about that. But okay. well, and what's and what's interesting too is like um, Heavy Rain. I feel like had m- kind of decent voice acting, but there's a lot of spots minus the kids. Yeah, yeah there was. And- yeah, Jason. <laughs> there were a lot of spots where it was kind of bad, but I actually it never really like the, bugged me. The, like yeah, I was the, actually okay with it because the yeah. PI was great. He, uh, yeah. his voice acting was fantastic. Well, he, he's a he's a real actor. Like he wasn't derailed that movie with Clive Owen playing the exact same character wearing the yes. exact same. <laughs> right. <laughs> really? So yeah, I mean yeah he, yes. he that yeah that guy was great, but yeah for yeah some of them were bad. Yeah. See, they they just need to get good. They they need to get real actors. They need to, <laughs> you know. Well, like, and the problem is, is we're spoiled. Friend. We're spoiled with Uncharted too, which is brilliant, brilliant Honestly. voice acting. So, you know. Well, yeah, and you know that that's definitely people with a combination of like really strong voice talent, like Nolan North, and then you've got like awesome A real actress like Claudia well, Black. Well, and Emily Rose too is she's actually in in a decent number of shows. She's on um, Haven. Haven, yeah. So she, she's a real actress, too. She's not on Farscape. So. She's not on Farscape. But yeah, no, Claudia, <laughs> Claudia Black is incredible. But she's yeah, incredible. So. Yeah. Love her. Love her. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's and she was in Dragon Age, too. So. Yeah. And Grand Theft Auto has always been good about having, like, you know, they got Ray Liotta for Grand Theft Auto 3. And that was awesome. Which was great. Ray, yeah, yeah, Ray Liotta 3 was great. And surprising to me. I guess because I hadn't heard about it before. And I was like, holy shit, is that Ray Liotta? He was in Vice City, yeah. Well, yeah, Anthony. I actually, um, I wanted to, right. I wanted to get your thing about um, question number three, which was about, um, which was Seymour Nintendo franchises like Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers get a focused story treatment, or do you like them the way they are? I actually really liked the response to it. Well, let me see what my response was because it might be different from what I'm about to say. Well, it was it was, it was leave them alone in all caps. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. Leave them <laughs> fuck alone, for the love of God. Like, look, we all say Ocarina of Time is like one of the greatest games ever, and we all love it and everything. It doesn't even have a really great story. Every Zelda story is the same: save the princess, collect a bunch of shit, save the princess. That, that's all it is. Okay, I don't need anything other than that. Zelda. Nintendo games are about the gameplay. I don't want any more story. They they tried with with Metroid, it failed. Leave them alone. Make great gameplay, and that's what Nintendo does. You want great story? Go play another game. You want great gameplay? You play these games. I love that. It leads into the next question: Save the princess or save the world? By the way, <laughs> do, so do you think it's just that those those Nintendo games are almost so like primal and like core to our experience as gamers that we don't want revisionist takes on it. Well, you don't want like the dark Mario game or something, you know, you, you don't want, I don't, like, I don't know if you did it and it, it was fine. That would be fine. But I play Mario and Zelda for the gameplay. Like the store, I don't have any connection to the princess or, or link or anything like that. Right. The, 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 to me, the best Zelda story was actually the wind waker. Um, I liked like Tetra and how she turned it. Spoiler alert, turned out to be princess Zelda and all the little, you know, the, oh the, God, the links to you know, time and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and everything. I just the boat that was, was the king. Yeah, the boat was the king. You went underground, <laughs> underwater, and you saw like the Hyrule underwater and everything frozen that was in cool. time. Yeah, that Things was like, really cool. Yeah, no, I love I love the simplicity of you need to find an item so you can get to a certain place so that you can get the Triforce. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go. Exactly. Like <laughs> that is me. It's like I'm fine. Let's do it. Sign me up. Fish for the Triforce. I'm off to trying new things and everything. I was open-minded to Metroid Other M before I played it, um, so I don't mind if they try it. But you know, they don't need to do that. Like, 
you know, they're fine with what they're doing, and Nintendo needs to basically they just need to stop bowing to pressure and just do what they know what works. I really like like what I've played of Mario Galaxy Two. I really like the decision that there's actually less story in that yeah, game. They, yeah, yeah, I mean they just copied the first one and just yeah, New Worlds. Here you go. <laughs> like, the, the, but yeah. the choice they made was that there's less story and the game is like five times as hard. <laughs> yeah. Like the level, like it reached a difficulty point that you don't leap in the like second world that you don't reach in the first game until the end of the game. Yeah, it's so, like Mario Galaxy: The so Lost Levels. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, so it's Mario 2, the Japanese one. Yeah, absolutely. It is really fucking hard. And they're actually, yeah. so, like, so in the first game, I managed to get all the coins up until the purple coins, which are ridiculously hard to get. This one, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to play it to completion because, like, I tried playing some of the Comet levels and I got ruined. And, like, all the, the special alternate gameplay versions of the levels are just impossible. So it's it's an insanely difficult game, and that that's kind of a, a cool choice. Where like instead of trying to be like, this is Mario's life story, or just like we're gonna ramp up the gameplay to an insane level. Well, see, yeah, well that's okay. Well, I was gonna say, I Mario, I don't want that in, and but Zelda, it's it's so hard for me because it's the same game every single time it comes out, yeah. and it's a game with so much. I feel like like I don't want like a huge sweeping. Tail or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't want to like cut like all ridiculous cutscenes, but I feel like you can do stuff with Zelda story wise that you couldn't do with Mario. Like kind of like what they did with Wind Waker, because there were moments of the Wind Waker that because Wind Waker, I mean, I, I really liked Wind Waker, and I just you know haven't been crazy about some other Zelda games. Yeah, and there's so, more room that they can do it, and it would feel less forced. And like like Link to the Past was a different take with a little bit more story kind of tweaks to it than the other Zeldas had. So I feel like you could do stuff. And with with the Legend of Zelda games, that like I'm, we had something at one point about the idea of um, like just you know complete wish fulfillment of which studios could take over major franchises. A Team Ico Zelda game would be incredible, and it wouldn't have like ridiculous cutscenes, but they would infuse it with, you know, what I mean, they would infuse it with a different kind of story. I feel like beyond yeah. just their incredible art design or whatever, they would do something to make it and maybe hit that emotional level without even a cutscene. You know, I feel like yeah, that that'd be that'd be a good match. You know, because you don't have to have ridiculous cutscenes to make you feel something. You know, which I feel like they've shown in even like the, those last Guardian trailers. I'm just like this game is probably gonna like do something to me emotionally. Probably, and probably you're there, probably gonna cry. Yeah, something. and there probably won't be a word spoken in the yeah. whole game. Interesting. You know? Um, can, can I just interject and say I can't wait till I can't wait until the the team collection comes out. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I never got to play those. But yes, Limbo, man, I still think about. So you finished it now, Nick, right? Yeah, no, I'm done. I so I beat it in a day in tw- less than 24 hours. I so still that, have not finished it, so uh, be careful. Actually, you know what? Spoil it. Go ahead. Well, no, Anthony the last level. The last level no. the last I don't time. care about spoilers. Okay. No, it's not story, just gameplay-wise. The last level is, yeah, like, terribly sad. Like, the very, very last thing you do yeah. when you nail it, and then it's, like, you know you just beat the game. And, like, at that moment, you're, like... That moment's I, so incredible. So incredible, because it's, like... I think it's fair that you were, like, I, I just beat the game. Yeah. Like, you know that you just beat the game, and they do a thing where you know exactly right when you beat the game. And it's 
fucking brilliant. It's great. Like speed ramps get super slow. The sound design is incredible, and it's like you break through a barrier. Yes. And, and so, it, yeah, and, and it's got a cool symbolism to it because yes. the whole thing is you're in you're in limbo, essentially, and then you break through this barrier, and it's like it's to me the symbolism was like you you break out of limbo. Yes. Yeah. I assume um, that's kind of what it was, yeah. You know, and but the the way they do it is incredible, and not a word spoken. And I feel like Legend of Zelda could you. be, yeah. I feel like Legend of Zelda game could do that, but hasn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys disagree. I just don't know. If it, on a gameplay level, I think they've been like bliss for people, but I don't know if they've ever connected that way. But maybe they don't need to. You know, maybe Anthony's right. Maybe they don't need to. See, I feel well, like. So- uh, Twilight Princess was kind of like a that, that was one of the first things I played when I got back into gaming. That and Mario Galaxy were like the two games that got me back into this generation of games. So they they kind of hold a special place in my heart because of that, you know. Like because I got a Wii and I really only got like those two games to start off. I I played the hell out of them, <clears throat> and uh, I, I ne- I've never actually played. I, I've played a bit of Wind Waker. I've got, I've got it, but I haven't played it in probably two years. Um, Jeff, you should play it. It's, it's really I good. I really, really like it. No, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy what I played of it, but yeah, I never played um, Ocarina. It's kind of easy in terms I never, of I never combat. So I, I, I don't think I was as spoiled for Zelda as, as you guys. It sounds like you guys were. So I thought Twilight Princess was fantastic. <laughs> I like Twilight Princess a lot. I just I didn't... I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get into it, guys. I'm going to be honest. I played maybe... A third of it, and then I was like, I'm kind of done. Okay, this That's is about what I did to it. Yeah, I'm kind of. I can never not finish a Zelda game. <laughs> I, I almost want them to rein it back. If that may, I want them to give me less. Actually, I want. Let's go more gameplay. Let's go more. Let's get a Triforce. Less. I, I want even less of less story. To be perfectly honest, in Zelda, I don't know. It's. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just think I do. I don't know. I, <laughs> well, I, I think I think what Eddie's point is a good one in a way because limbo simplifying. I think that would be a good idea. Yeah, tells like, us. Yeah, tells a really cool story without very like, simply, very simply without ever giving you like you only really know the premise. I, no, I agree. If you read about the game before you play. Like the game doesn't tell you anything, anything about at all. Actually, I if you don't read about it, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, but. If you read about it, you're still like, oh, what the fuck? You get a, t- but, a small amount of context, but yeah, like, exactly. but I, but I feel like it, it. I feel like yeah, I feel like they're trying to do too much, almost, Eddie. I, I feel what you're saying. Like, they're like, okay, well, you know, we had a dark world in in Link to the Past, so we're gonna have a dark world, and we're gonna make it this thing where you got to do this and this, and you look funky, and there's crazy things, and. Uh, yeah, I feel like they're like let's, they're doing the wrong things to make it different in in everything post Ocarina of Time. If that makes I see, sense. No, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I so and I feel like yeah, I almost am with you. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say when I'm saying I want less. Maybe just simplify it for me again. Like, well, so, so maybe, make oh, it, maybe make it poignant. Make it like though I've heard Spirit Tracks was actually really really good. I played it and I didn't. Love it, so I stopped. Mm. I didn't. Mm. It wasn't. Okay. Uh, what happened to you? I could never start a note. <laughs> <laughs> Handheld so games up. don't count. Oh, don't that's oh, actually. What would you think about like a Zelda or a Mario game that was like a Guardian of Light? Oh, oh, oh just kind of uh, like a like a mini game almost. Yeah, maybe where you know it 
Because Guardian of Light is still very simplified and like just gameplay. Yeah, S sign me up. Yeah, I, I would be so for that actually. Four That's something I've actually lately. I've actually been missing gameplay games like Metroid, Super Metroid, you know, Symphony of the Night. Like, I, I don't know. And Guardian of Light, I felt like did that for me, and which maybe is the reason I loved it so much. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like games might be getting too complex, and I, I kind of want it simplified. A sprinkled in there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm for like you know, great stories and and characters and stuff like Mass Effect too. But you know, every once in a while, I just want some like simple, awesome, solid gameplay in like five hours. Let's yeah, I actually almost I almost feel like they keep making games too long because they think people want to keep playing them forever. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's it's because they, they feel the need to charge sixty dollars, so they have to justify sixty dollars. So they make that's actually games. like I, that actually keeps me from. Because I'm like, oh shit, you know, I don't want to get caught up in Oblivion again and play it for 130 hours. <laughs> right. Hey, well, um, hold on. Anthony, you were saying something about Spirit Tracks a minute ago? Yeah, you want to know how good it is? It's the only Zelda game I've never finished. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Every, other, every other handheld Zelda game that's come out, the Minish Cap and, and uh, the Phantom Hourglass, I beat them all. Except yeah, I heard the Phantom Tracks. Hourglass is really good, right? It's pretty good, yeah. I liked it a lot. Nice. Well... I think we'll go ahead and move on to the next community topic. Um, the the gamer tag. What does your gamer tag mean? And this was one that Anthony came up with kind of while we were all playing Halo because he asked somebody. Um, Why do you always forget that it's me whenever we play Halo? You just assume it's Nick or someone else. <laughs> are, you, are you in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were still here. Um, yeah, no. Sometimes I talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Hold um, on, guys. There's a moose in my front yard. I gotta go kill it. <laughs> <laughs> Throw maple syrup at it. There it is. <laughs> but um, beef no, ring. The the gamer tag thing, which it was pretty cool. Everyone seemed pretty enthusiastic about this, and it was cool reading. It was kind of what I wrote in the post: is that they're meant to keep you anonymous. They're meant to they're meant to like maintain a wall of anonymity. But like when you know what it means, it bring it removes that and brings a layer of kind of like personal connection which i think is kind of a funny thing about gamer tags but um i don't know i just thought it was pretty cool typing everyone seemed to jump on board but you know i know you guys have kind of commented on the thing and we all know the stories but i think it'd be cool to share kind of where your gamer tags come from um you know that you choose so i guess if anyone wants to start, i mean nick is probably the easiest yeah i'll go, I'll go first <laughs> since i'm easy uh mine mine uh gamer tag is nick Tubbeard, or however you want to say it. I didn't think Mitch yelled at me because I said Nick Tubbeard, but uh, it is Nick Tubbeard because I used to have Nick the Beard because of the beard on my face and my name is Nick, or my beard used to be on my face. <laughs> now a mustache. But I used to have a beard for uh, seven or eight years. So I had a beard, and so everything became Nick the Beard. And so I had Nick the Beard on the original Xbox live on the original xbox and then i sold the original xbox and i got a 360 and i never took that account off of the original xbox so i couldn't deactivate it so i had to pick a new name or go get my original xbox back and i was like fuck it, i just want to play this thing right now i'm just going to go with the new name so it became nick tubbeard well, and, and it's funny because Daniel's always been making fun of you. He's like, "No, you've you've made your entire online identity, online identity, based on like a thing Facial that, hair. yeah, a thing that could go away, <laughs> and, <laughs> and did, yeah, and did. 
did. Now you've yes. got a handlebar mustache, so yes, you're all trying to just a lie. Which yeah, and I, actually, actually, I found a, I found a actually, fun picture of, of Nick with like no facial hair but for sideburns, which was I don't think that needs to be ever showed to anybody. But <laughs> Eddie showed it to me when he was that. in Tampa. Oh, have you? My beard is actually I, I saw it from the internet. Grown back in in two and a half weeks. That's it's crazy. a little bit ridiculous, but I'm actually about to trim it back down to to just the stash again later tonight. So nice. there you go. So you need to get another gamer tag. Nick the Nick, Nick the, the stash. stash or Nick yeah. the handle. <laughs> nice. Somebody was like Nick the handler, and I was like, I don't know if that sounds very good. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of terrible. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah, not... I was like, I don't know about that. I like Nick the what handle. handle. What do you I handle? Know. I don't know. All right. Well, um, let's see. Jeff, do you want to explain where your gamer tag comes from? Um, so I, I'm a, a fan of uh, Dave Brubeck. Uh, if, you probably heard the song Take Five on commercials. It's just this awesome... If you look it up, it, you'll, you'll recognize it. Cause he used to be on car commercials a couple years ago. But, um, so I, I'm a fan of his, his stuff. He's, he's a jazz musician from... You know, he's, he's been around for like 50 years. And uh, he has this awesome song called Unsquare Dance that is just... The, the percussion is all tap dancing and hand claps. It's a, it's a real simple little piano tune, and, and it's only like two minutes long. But it, I, it's called Unsquare Dance, and I, I just loved it so much that I ended up using Unsquare for everything. So unsquare.com is my website, and you know, I'm Unsquare on Twitter and uh, 360 and PSN, pretty much anywhere I can find it. Like, the only places I don't have it are like Instant Messenger and, and a couple other places where I was already taken. But um, yeah, I, I, I've always kind of picked um, usernames based on songs I liked. I'm a, a big fan of Pavement, so some of my previous usernames were, were song titles from some of their songs. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been cool. It, I always try to find something that's like sort of unique and easy to uh, place a foothold on. <laughs> you know, cause especially yeah. now, nowadays, it's so hard to like, everybody always comes up with usernames first, so you got to have something unique that you can get in there. I, I You know... There are way too many Jeff James out there in the world for me to get something that is actually my name. Yeah. Well, was XX Man XX taken when you tried to come up with something? Or? <laughs> yeah, not a fan of that whole like <laughs> put in extra weird letters and numbers into the, the name. I I would rather find something that is just a unique word rather than having to be like James X four seven. Yeah, how does people tell their friends what their names are? You know, like, oh, this is my name. Add me. It's xx 3 l seven two nine five nine six nine xx Yeah, it spells boobies. Like, speaking of unique names, I could tell the origin of my gamer tag. Go for it. See what I did there? Fancy. Yeah. Transition. Hey. So, anyways, like I said, my my gamer tag for pretty much everything or handle. I guess is Lubius. Um, that stems from the first uh, Star Wars MMO, Star Wars Galaxies, where I named my guy uh, Lube Starstalker, <laughs> sort of take off on on Luke Skywalker. Um, and then that that uh, MMO crashed and burned. So then we went over to World of Warcraft, and I kind of wanted to make it sound old timey, you know, to fit with a the theme. So I added an ES onto the end of it because that sounds pretty pretty medieval. <laughs> and <laughs> it's stuck since then. The only variation on that is uh, for Battlefield games where I used Lube 182 because I just took Ugh. that, took took my gamer tag and combined it with uh, my favorite band, Blink 182, to get that. 
But that's the story of my gamer tag. All right, Anthony. All right. Well, I got uh, two on the 360. I'm Edge Walker 8181 because I was born in 1981, so I'm old. And uh, Edge Walker is a character in the fantasy series The Malazan Book of the Fallen. And he's a guy. He shows up like maybe like four times throughout the entire series. And I don't even know. I don't even know if he's good or bad. What his motives are and everything. But he's this kind of skeletal figure who's always trying to keep people out of this certain um, magical area. And uh, he's just always pretty badass. And uh, the things he's, he's got this dry sense of humor that I really like. So I was like, I'll be Edgewalker because it sounds cool. And when people get killed by me, they'll be like, oh, he's got a bad name. He's me. Um, and then the other one on the PSN, I'm Starkiller81. And that comes from the original screenplay. Uh, one of the, there was a thousand of them, but one of the original drafts of Star Wars, uh, A New Hope. Um, Anakin Skywalker was the main character. Luke wasn't in it yet. And it was, he was going to be called Anakin Starkiller. And I always thought the name Starkiller was really cool. And so I was like, oh, I'll be Starkiller. And then about three months later, they announced that the name of the main character in the, the Force Unleashed would be Starkiller. And I was like, immediately was like on message boards like, I had this first. You know, so there, was actually a, there was actually a Bendax Starkiller in Knights of the Old Republic. Yes, I know. When I, yeah, when I played Knights of the Old Republic 2, I was like, damn it, man, that's going to be my name on the PS3. <laughs> I'd already planned it and everything. So that's where mine comes from. Nice. Well, yeah, mine comes from, uh, I'm Pinocchio, spelled P-W-N. Ponochicho. Uh, Ponochicho. Um, yeah, I'm Pinocchio, and I, it, really the only explanation is that it's, it's my screen name because I'm Eddie and I love stupid puns. So that's pretty much all there is because I used to use, because um, I, was, I was looking for like a pwn one. I, I think... I tried out several, and then Pinocchio got the most comments because I would because in the old Counter Strike, you know, you would just change your gamer tag every game you went into. And I tried out My Little Pony PWNY for a while, um, and people seemed to like that. And then I tried out Poncho Villa, but that one was a little bit more of a stretch. Uh, I like that one that <laughs> because I'm Hispanic. I was like, I will be Poncho Villa. Um, <laughs> it was so retarded, and, but uh, it tickled me. But yeah, and then I eventually went to uh, Pinocchio. I also tried out Tom Shanks for a while on uh, Warcraft games. Uh, Tom Shanks. There were some other ones, but yeah, eventually settled on Pinocchio. And so I just because I like retarded puns. But you it's actually Shanks. yeah, it's actually funny looking at uh, some of the comments. Like um, <laughs> one of my favorite comments is the last one on there that his name was Dunkel Schwam or whatever, and it says it's German for dark sponge. Dunkel Schwamm. Yeah, he's like, it's the only good thing I got out of, got out of one year of high school German. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. How did that even come up in a sentence? Yeah, I was like, how did it even, you know, how's it even come Well, up? when I was in high school German, I, I, I learned the word for slut because my teacher mispronounced lamp, which is lampa, and uh, slut is schlampa, so it can happen. Oh, yeah. In high school, we, we tried to always find out how to say slut in different languages. But why would you want to be dark school. sponge in any language? Uh, <laughs> does, really does that mean that it, it like sucks off all the darkness, or that it? I don't. I'm not sure. Or that it's just a dark looking sponge? Yeah. Or is it? Is it? Does it? Yeah. Does it actually consume darkness? Does it darkness? just have pigment? Yeah. <laughs> the, the black sponge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it a sponge that? Yeah. Does it's that? Just or been it used. Just, yeah. Or is it calm dark? <laughs> yeah. It's like what? Uh, I like gadfly gems. Um, little thing that's from used by Plato and the Apology describes Socrates' relationship of yeah. But anyway, it's pretty cool. Um, I have to ask on 
Benign's comment, Benign One. That's actually uh, my friend Andrew uh, from here in Houston. I had to ask, what's Duengo? Because he says that Benign One, his screen name comes from um, back in the days of Duengo, D W A N G O, and do two death matches. I have no idea what that is. Duengo. Dial up wide area network game operation. Oh wow! Uh, I guess I, I guess I could have googled it. I could have. I could have. <laughs> yeah. Was that all? Was that all from, that all from memory, Anthony? It's was it all from memory. Uh, no, this is all from Wikipedia. It was an yeah. early online gaming service based in the United States. Oh, uh, for Doom and Doom Two, and Heretic. It was created in Houston, Texas. Oh, nice. Dedicated exclusively to DOS-based multiplayer gaming. Yes. Did you guys ever dial into BBS's back in the day? Yes. Oh, it supported X, and I remember that. Game. BBS is relete. You know, me, me, and um, my friend Corey and my friend Jay are on an IRC channel during the the work day, and it's just to be silly. Like, there's no reason we need to be on an IRC <laughs> channel because you can just talk on AIM, <laughs> yeah, or, G-chat, or, G-chat, yeah. or GChat. But we really like being on IRC because that's so stupid. <laughs> because it, we just, but it's I don't know. It's just like a silly. Like I just feel like elite because I'm on. Yeah, it. That, no, but that's so J too. That's what's very. It's funny. very J. It is true. Yeah. And my name, my name on it is all leadified. <laughs> like I'm like bar slash bar I C bar uh like parentheses wow because i can't use the side carrot thing so nice yeah cool well i think that's pretty much it for the community topics i think we were going to hit up uh, one last bit of news um running a little bit a little bit long but you can't ignore this i feel like no. just because it was everywhere um the nintendo 3ds just want to see what you guys thought about it and then we can kind of wrap it up from there but can't, can't ignore the Nintendo 3DS, I feel like. I'm not, I'm not really a mobile gamer, uh, although the iPhone is starting to do it for me. But I don't, I'm not really that excited about a dedicated mobile gaming system, especially one that's $300. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Because cause I think it's – I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped about it. Like I, From what I hear, it's a really cool thing to look at and – I mean, the DS is a great is a great platform with great games. So I'm not doubting that it's gonna it's gonna deliver. It's just that price tag that's gonna be tough to get around because I feel like I was talking to Eddie earlier this week. I feel like the 3D. I mean, I mean the DS and the PSP for the most part are like kids systems. Yeah, they're like what your what your mom buys for the kids to shut them up so that they just play games and don't bother her. So. When you know when game when portable gaming systems are like a hundred or hundred fifty or two hundred dollars, I feel like okay, yeah, that's a reasonable gift to buy a kid. But when the mobile gaming system is more than a three sixty, yeah, or more than Nintendo's own Wii, I feel like at Christmas time when mom's sitting there looking at it, she's like, well, why am I going to buy him this when I can just buy him an Xbox for two fifty? You know. And I feel like that might hurt it, except for it's Nintendo and they're going to sell bukus of it anyways. So and you can't play your Xbox in the car on a long trip. Yeah, maybe yeah, they just why think, not just buy just a, yeah, why not just buy them a DSi or a DSi XL then? You know, surely yeah, the, I mean it's not like they're going to stop selling the DSi and the DS. Like they're yeah. not going to phase it out, right? Did you see the, the 25th anniversary Mario DSi? 
Yeah, I did. That thing is fucking sex, man. I want that thing bad. So, so maybe, maybe what they're maybe it's just I don't like, even want. I don't even want one. I already have a DS, but that thing was hot. Maybe it's just that they feel like the the maybe the tech is expensive to put together, and so they're hoping they can sell. It of course, to the tech and the R and D on that yeah. is ridiculous. Maybe the thing is something I want to bring up. Yeah, sorry, keep going, Anthony. Oh no, this this is something they said that one of the reasons the price is so high is because of the extremely positive reaction uh, they got at E3. So this is a this is like a public service message to all you gamers out there. Next time, keep it quiet under your hat. You get really excited about it. Shh, that's really cool. Just kind of yeah, because if, because if everyone much. hated it, they would charge a hundred and fifty dollars, right? Exactly. So all sure, sure. So, they so would. yeah, that is exactly they they feel like they can sell it to people our age, to the gamers that are a little bit more hardcore. They're like they they feel confident that they're not gonna have to rely on the family and the kid market to sell it. I guess so, because look at the gaming lineup. I mean, the gaming lineup. Oh yeah, it's all our that, old games. Yeah. It, it's something that, that it, it's Mario it's Zelda Ocarina of Time. It's Metal Gear Solid. It's Resident Evil four and five hybrid. So so in a way it's it's Nintendo catering to the hardcore for the first time in a long time, but it also means that it's more expensive. Well they're catering to the hardcore the by hardcore making, is by just giving, they're just giving us yeah. the same old games. They're not they're still not Making new hardcore games, they're just giving well, us the old. But yeah, but I, I think that you're, you're been, right. But it's they're still not doing what we want them to do, really. I mean, they're just selling the same old games that we've already played see, through. But I don't time. know. I don't know if I agree with that, Anthony, because I think that if you were an outsider and you go on the internet, don't all you see is people complaining about how games aren't like what they used to be? Do you know um, what I mean? Like, I mean, it's like, oh man, remember how good Ocarina of Time was? Man, remember how good Metal Gear Solid Three was? Yeah, people. So if, you're Star Fox 64 was. if you're looking on the outside, you're like, "Well, fuck it, then we're just going to sell them the same shit again." Well, well that's and the same thing is like, happening. Nintendo, with they've actually really now they're they're unabashedly uh, just you know they're fine with they've realized oh people really do want these old games so we're just going to you know repackage them and resell them you know again and again after they made lots of money off the virtual console, um, so you know they're. They're fine with it, but what I'm saying is, you know, people also want, you know, like new hardcore. One of the things about the complaints about the Wii is there's no new hardcore games, and they're still not doing that. They're still just doing, well, we'll just do old games again. That that's that's what my point was. You know, I understand why they're doing it, and everything, but what people want is new hardcore games for the Wii and the DS, and they're just repackaging old hardcore games. See, I, the, I, I almost have to disagree because I feel like, you know, how excited are we about the Team Ico collection or, you know, the, the possibility, the, the Beyond Good and Evil HD remake? Yeah. Like, I know I was Well, some really, of that, I'm excited because I never got to play those games. Yeah, I never got to play them, and I think that that's the thing is that, like, you know, we don't complain about... You know, those are relatively recent, and a lot of people just missed out on those games. I mean, well, but, but think about it like when Criterion releases a special edition Blu-ray of a movie from 20 years ago. Yeah, you might have seen it, but they've gone through and they've lovingly remastered it, and they've added commentary. We like I get excited about that kind of stuff. I think it's tapping into the same kind of desire of seeing like classics treated well. You know, like the the, the Monkey Island remakes that were gorgeously redone. With new graphics and, and voice acting, like I'm all for that. Right, that, that makes me I, want I, Day of the Tentacle, Grim Fandango. Give yeah, me absolutely. Max. That's, like, give me that. I wouldn't no, I write understand off. Why like, people are really excited about it, but I mean, it's just my. I've played Ocarina of Time like ten times. I don't. I don't need it again. I mean, I'm happy that it's coming out and everything, but just my own personal 
you know, excitement level doesn't get hot for. Ocarina well, see, but here's the thing: like, to me, like, I see, I see what you're saying there, but I'm also like, well, but I can, but I've never been able to take a game like Metal Gear Solid Three with me anywhere I wanted to ever. Yeah, see, I would play Metal Gear Solid Three. I'm excited about trying that on the 3DS. No, but, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, all those games, like some of those classics we love, like Ocarina of Time, whatever, we've never been able to like. They've never been handheld, which to me that's is true. is one of the things like. The tech in this thing is so impressive, but yeah. here's was, here was another thing that I wanted to ask you guys. This is kind of piggybacking off of that, but because um, what I hear is that once you see this thing in motion, it'll really impress you. Um, and you know, because like maybe Anthony, you might feel differently once you've seen it in front of you, and you're like, "Holy crap! It's Ocarina of Time in 3D and remastered." Yeah, oh, I might. And so, yeah, so that's that's what I'm. Yeah, so that's what I'm wondering is like. Do you think it might hurt Nintendo that it because like you cannot take screenshots of this thing, you can't take video of it, like right. the yeah, video that's why trailers they had to have you know chained to models. At yeah, the, so people could see it. You yeah. know, like people have to get their hands on this thing to be this impressed with it, like because the trailers won't do it justice. You literally cannot take pictures of it. Do you think that's going to hurt Nintendo? I okay, uh, probably I, not because I, you I need people adds, to have this thing on their hands. To it, though, I think it adds a mystique. Yeah. To it. Look at look at Apple products. Look at the iPad. Look at the iPhone. What is the thing about all those? You have to touch it and use it. That's true. To get what is amazing about it, and you know what? That's what they said about iPads. And iPads have been selling fucking like hotcakes. Yeah, and the, so, the Retina display on the iPhone four. Yeah, you really it's something have to you have to those. see. You can't take pictures of it. Pictures don't do it justice. So I mean, I feel like it kind of almost adds a mystique to it. Like, dude, you gotta go check out that new 3DS. It's crazy. So then you're going to go check it out, and then you're ha- holding it in your hand. You're like, this is amazing. 300 what? I don't care. <laughs> you know, and then you're just like, give me three of them. Like, you know, I, yeah, I feel like it, it, that might actually help them sell stuff because you want to get out there and you want to see the product. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to put it in the hands of mainstream media sources like USA Today. I've already read several articles. They're going to gush about it. They're going to gush. Yeah, I've already read several articles about the 3DS from mainstream media articles. You know, media sources. Um, that, yeah, so they're going to put it in those guys' hands, and then they're going to gush about it, and then it's going to sell itself. Yeah. That's what they did with the Wii, too. That's exactly yeah. what they did with the Wii. Yeah. So Microsoft yeah, no, I, connect. I'm really, like, I, honestly, like I said, it's really not on my radar to get one, but I, I, I am definitely curious to see what it's like in person. Uh, yeah, um, I want to see one in person so bad. <laughs> like, it's so... Yeah, yeah me too. So right there, Eddie, they sold you. They just, they, over, they already got you. <laughs> they got me. Yeah. I've had every Nintendo handheld there's ever been, and I'm always going to get it, so... Well, speaking of virtual console of all Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color games. Not all, no, but, but you know what I mean, like a virtual console. Oh, oh so it's not compatible um, with the cartridges, but you can download the older games? Right. Right, and the Game Boy Advance has not officially been announced as part of the Virtual Console. Okay. Mm. I, just to I thought it was. No, I, the, not, it was not mentioned in any official Nintendo press releases. So no Aria of Sorrow? They need to uh, get on that. Not yet. So, they might so the, the one thing, I, I kind of want to circle back to the, the, the remakes. I kind of feel yeah. like, so the thing is, with movies, you can go back in and you can go to the original negative and you can clean it up and, and you can print a new copy of it to make a blu-ray i feel like games get dated a lot faster than movies do because you know you can you can remaster casablanca and you can watch it today and it is still just as amazing um but like a game from 
30 years. But if you go and play Pong, you're going to be like, what the fuck is Pong? <laughs> you know? Like, right, well, that, I mean, because of game engines and because of technology and because of new controllers and no, new control even, schemes, Even Beyond hard. Good and Evil has to be completely reskinned, and that mm-hmm. game's only four or five years old. Yeah, so I feel you like the, the, that's the way of like, like rescuing the classics and, and making them timeless. You almost have to is, to is to monkey island them. Yeah, seriously. Like it, I almost feel like it, you know it feels like revisionist in a way, but it, I feel like that's how we respect video game classics is by updating them for the new generation, so you can understand. You know, because the the writing of Monkey Island is still the same. It's just got a, a, a new look to it. I think that's important, and I actually I think that. That's that. I, I don't know. I just feel strongly that it's actually. It might feel like nickel and diming us, but I think I think it's actually an important thing for hardcore gaming is to I in order I, to replay. Like, you know, when I go and I, I go and try and play Metal Gear Solid now and Final Fantasy VII, it's going to be hard. Yeah, they're so dated. And you don't yeah, have to I buy the remakes. So you can just appreciate yeah, exactly. the fact that a new generation will have it. Exactly. Like I don't. I never complain about people nicking and diming. George Lucas can release as many copies of Star Wars as he wants. I'm, no one's forcing me to buy them, so I, I don't. I don't. I'm not talking about the nickel and diming. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all. I agree with you that we need. I like that they're re-releasing them though, um, because the thing with video games and um, is unlike movies and CDs and everything. Once a system is obsolete, you may never get to play certain games ever again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's true. You know, they're just and, like lost to time. Yeah. Yeah. There's NES yeah, games um, that I'll probably never get to play again, or you know, PS2 games that a couple years from now I'll never get to play again. And this is a way for them to, you know, give them to us again. So I'm, I'm all for it. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, or, or systems that that just died. Like, I remember yeah. in college, for some reason, I guess it was because I just was so in love with Metal Gear Solid, and I would play it all the time. I became obsessed with Metal Gear Solid Snake. Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, which was only released on the MSX, I want to say, yeah. is the name of the yeah. system. Yeah. And I went on this like crazy hunt for the game, and I finally found an emulator, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. It was more of like the mystique behind it and all. But yeah, I mean, you, you sometimes you can just lose games. And because yeah, and I think in, unless you find an emulator, job. like if there's no MSX emulator, then that's it. I'm, there's no way I ever see what that game is like. Because yeah. you, you, where am I going to go find an MSX again? You know, with movies, it's different. Because like, yeah, Jeff, like you were saying, you know, you can go and you can restore that. You can make it a VHS. You can make it a DVD. You can make it a Blu-ray. You can make it whatever you want. Put on iTunes, whatever you need. Yeah, yeah. But with video games, it's it's like I don't know. It's like it's always we don't about do a very good job of preserving our history. Yeah. Well, yeah, developers need to take better care of their uh, their franchises and stuff like that. Although you know, it's interesting. It, there is one thing that I read that like a surprising number of movies actually get lost. Like there are. Oh yeah, I believe it. Few, there are a huge percentage of movies that were never released on VHS, never released on DVD, that will never get released on Blu-ray. Like it, it on down the format century. Like there's there's movies that you just can't watch anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's very sad. Well, well, one thing I was going to bring up about I'm actually going to do a feature about this. So I don't want to get too far into it, but something that the only problem I have with the 3DS, and this is kind of getting into the nickel and diming thing, like because yeah, you guys are right, like no one's making you buy anything, but. As cool as it's going to be, like I'm excited to be able to play Metal Gear Solid 3, you know, handheld, and I'm going to be excited that I can play like Ocarina of Time handheld and Star Fox handheld. But here's something that that Nintendo is having to do 
because of what they chose to do with the Wii. Every other system is releasing HD remakes. Nintendo has yet to do it because they can't. And so what they're giving us now is 3D remakes, but how much do you want to bet that they're also going to release HD remakes of all this stuff on their next gen? And it's like, really, that's kind of what I want. And then HD 3D. Yeah, it's like really, it's like really the, what I want is the HD remake, but you're gonna give it to me in a handheld, so I'll take it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, that's right. that's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. So I feel like that's kind of one problem I'm having looking at all this is that like, yeah, Nintendo's so gonna release HD versions of this, and really, I feel like that's what people want more anyway. But I'll take it <laughs> because it's Metal Gear Solid Three. It can go with me wherever I want. You can still play Metal Gear Solid Three though. That still holds up. Yeah, if you have a, if you have a PlayStation Two, yeah, that's true. I mean that that's one of the problems, right? Is I mean, is like we were saying, like if you don't have the system, you don't have the system. Yeah, you could go play it if you go buy a PlayStation Two, or if you were lucky enough to get a PS Two that can do PS Three that can do PS Two. But most of us don't have that. I don't think any of us have that actually. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it's the reason you. I mean, it's the reason that we're so excited about like the Team Ico. Is because yeah. you you know you'd have to go get a PS2 to play that stuff, or you know the God of War stuff. Or you'd have to go get a PS2 to play that stuff. So that's why they're doing these collections. And even though, yeah, it feels a little bit cheating to charge us that again for something that we literally could go get. It, I mean, convenience is important to. Oh me, yeah, you know, you know, and honestly, like my brother has he has two PS2s. He has a, a, a the Japanese a, one, right? He has a Japanese PS2 as well, and so I. I could go track down those games if I really wanted to, but uh, having them look good on my HD TV is a big deal to me. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and and something, Jeff, I wanted to. You were you, know, you were talking about remaking, and I, and I think I've actually brought this up before. But at the same time, I, I, as I want these games to be remade, I also feel like there is a moment in time where everything before that I'm okay if it doesn't get remade because I feel like it still holds up because it's before the before the 3 3D, 3D revolution yeah. I feel like everything that's Genesis and SNES and before oh, yeah. still looks great still uh, yeah. still looks great still plays great you could pop it in today and you literally you will lose nothing I wouldn't mind a version that played in 1080p it's true. Like I wouldn't either. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it reskinned, all that stuff. You mean like. No, you, well, you wouldn't have to reskin Super yeah. Mario 3. You yeah. know? I mean, it, well, it's like, you know, we're playing, right now we're playing, you know, Breath of Death 7, which is the. It's an NES game. But it's presented yeah. huge on my Xbox. Yeah. On my, you know, on my huge 50 inch plasma. So, it, it, you know, whatever. If, if that's all it was, I'm fine with that too. If, the, if you give me Super Metroid or you give me Link to the Past or Mario World like that, it's fine. But yeah, there's that really, especially at the beginning, like stuff like Mario 64. Oh, yeah, it looks and, so and, bad and, now. Yeah, and Metal Gear Solid and stuff like that. Yeah, it really Even like Legend of Zelda looks really bad now. The Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Yeah. yeah anything, Oc- with, anything with polygons that you can actually see that it's polygons, it doesn't yeah. look too good. Yeah, well, the, the Nintendo 64 fog that was in yeah. everything. Ugh, I hate that Nintendo 64. I, I, whenever you whenever you say that, I instantly think of Turok. Yes, yes, I just thought of Turok. Like ten <laughs> feet in front of you in Turok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, yeah, no, it's just the as a message with dinosaurs. You don't know about the ecosystem. <laughs> just, just as a message to developers and publishers out there, um, I agree that if you want to do an HD remake of your game, it's fine. But if you, it's either 
just a straight port or nothing, give us the straight port because there are games out there that are getting lost and we need to play them again and new generations need to discover Chip and Dell's Rescue Rangers. <laughs> nice. That game was awesome. And DuckTales. What, no, one of the coolest things I thought about the uh, about the Secret of Monkey Island games is that you could flip back. Right. Yes. yes. That's so fly with no loading. Brilliant that you could flip back. Like, yeah, dude, are you kidding? Every Did new you... scene I flipped back just to see what it looked like. Yeah, like let's let's do Link to the Past and reskin it, but also give me old Link to the Past. That's actually I would, no, I would, that's I, actually the I would buy that Nicholas. today. Today I would buy that. Yeah. That, that's that's the gene. Like I, I hope that more developers follow the lead there because that is such a genius way to make it. It's like all the good content and the writing that made it a classic game is still the core of the game. It's literally just changing the way it looks. You know, like yeah. that's that's the genius choice. There is that the the look was dated, the art design was dated. All we uh, the barrier to entry for people was just making it look nice on an HD TV. Making or, it look or, like a modern console. Or like we were saying earlier, just a system to play it on. Right. Having yeah, being able to play it at all, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for that epic podcast. Um, I guess talked about fall games, talked about the Nintendo three DS. Reach. Um, reach. reach. <laughs> the reach. reach. <laughs> it's the reach cast. Uh, or it was gonna be, but we turned it into a bunch of other stuff. So I'm really excited. Yeah. That was really awesome. Um, that was a good well, podcast. We, we did mention Resident Evil Five, right? Yeah, we had to, Resident yes. Evil Five mentioned in. So I think I, I think I will cover. always take that on my shoulders to mention it. If nobody else does, I will try to throw it in. That's I will good. second you. <laughs> and my axe. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah you, gotta make a, you gotta make a video game related and my hacks. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that yeah. and I thought of Eddie. Uh, wow. Just, so anyway, um, but yeah, if you want to follow Gamer Sushi on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gamer Sushi, please rate and review the podcast because um, we like it when people do that. Uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm twitter.com slash Eddie Rivas. And I am twitter.com slash Anthony Taylor underscore. I'm twitter.com slash unsquare. I am uh, Mitch, but with a seven instead of a T. And I'm twitter.com slash Nick Camardo. Ooh, not Nick the Beard. Oh. All right, well, thanks for for listening to the podcast, guys. And that is it, I think. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. Yay. Peace out. (laughs) Mm, There you go. Nice. That's how you end a podcast. That might have been one of our best podcasts. That might have been our best podcast. I'm I'm (laughs) thinking it was. the part where Eddie insulted Nick's mom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was a great part. I felt like, oh, that's awesome. I, I left the podcast. I'm so glad that nobody talked. I was like, how long could we keep silent after Eddie said that? <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna... nice story about his mom. And, and I love that I ruined it. Did you totally ruined it. It was a nice <laughs> story about how my mom likes to play video games. And you just fucked it all up. <laughs> I love how we stopped talking about Halo Beach 20 minutes ago.